Welcome to the Cape Verse podcast, where we talk comics, films, TV, and everything in between. I'm your host, Seb. With me is my co-host, Thomas. And today, we're going to talk about the DC Extended Universe. Thomas, are you excited? I am, actually. I actually really like this universe. I know a lot of people don't, but I'm like... I'm one of those... I'm a big fan. Yeah, I'm one of those people. (laughs) 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 And I've just made you watch all these films again. Yeah, uh, you have. Uh, I prefer Marvel, of of course, all the way. But after watching the films over and over again, I've started to appreciate some of the films and also reading the DC comics, like the ones that you recommended. I've, I've warmed to a couple of them, you know? See, that's the thing. Like, I prefer Marvel's films... But DC's comics, so I'm like a big fan of the DC characters. Mm-hmm. So I've got a bit of a soft spot for this universe because it's like, oh, the guys I like reading about are in a film. That's neat. That's how my lizard brain works. So today we're going to be going through all the DC films as I have made a list of the top eleven, and Thomas has also made a list of the top eleven. We don't know. Well, it's not. It's at the top eleven. It's just the 11 films that are in that universe. Okay, <laughs> the 11 films in that universe. So I suppose it is the top 11, but there's only 11 in it. There's only, so. <laughs> there's only 11 in it, but it's our top 11. But, yeah, so we don't know what's on each other's list. We have no clue. So I'm actually excited to see what you've, how you've ranked them. I have a... I think I might know where you've put certain films... I think we're going to have quite different lists. See, I'd be surprised if our lists lined up. See if we match, you know, for example, say the worst film is the same one as yours. Do we get like a, a, a toy, a surprise, or like a, a wee treat for getting the you same You get film? to buy yourself a Kinder Egg. I don't really like those. Can I get a Krispy Kreme? No, it has to be a Kinder Egg. <sighs> okay, that's fine. Right. <laughs> I, I'll do this just for you. Okay, so let's start with... The worst DC EU film, Thomas. May you please tell me the well, worst. Well, I one. think we should say it on the count of three. The count of three. So right. on three or after three? After three. After three. So like one, two, three, bang. That's or my... even three, two, one, and then say it. Okay. You you go ahead. You do the countdown. Right. Right. Three, two, one. Justice, Justice League. League. <laughs> you can. <laughs> We did it! I'm getting a Kinder Egg! <laughs> I mean, how could it not be, right? Right. Like, I'll... I I don't want to be too mean about this film because I get that, like, it's not, you know, it got corrected. They released the better mm-hmm. version eventually. But the fact that someone at Warner Brothers saw this movie in the state it was in and was like, yeah, we can release that is fucking atrocious like it's so bad it's it's really painful to watch you know what when i was making this list i was questioning like should should justice league you know josh sweden's justice league be the worst one and i was having a wee think and it you know five seconds later it's like what are you thinking it is the worst one it has to be the worst <laughs> one i've i've made a list of strengths and weaknesses for sorry. each of these movies sorry you have strengths for this film? <laughs> I actually do, right? It's mostly a couple bits of dialogue. Mm-hmm. Um, and to be fair, I think a lot of the strengths are like stuff from the original anyway. But 
I, I did make a couple just like other little side notes that I wanted to touch on first. Uh, the first one being when it comes up saying a Zack Schneider film, mm-hmm. I think it's it's kind of like the goal of a studio to put a Zack Schneider film when it's not over footage that he didn't film. Because it's, it's the opening scene, you know, when he's Batman fights that criminal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was Joss Whedon footage. Exactly, yeah. Zack Schneider had nothing to do with that, and yet that's where they put his credit as Zack Schneider film over stuff he didn't have anything to do with. I think that is ridiculous. It's, <laughs> it's, just... it's really upsetting because I think I remember reading about it where it was like Christopher Nolan and everyone else working on the film, and obviously Zack Snyder had to step down because of family issues. And then I think it was Christopher Nolan who said, mate, don't watch this. Yeah, it's it's gonna crush your soul. <laughs> just just don't. Yeah, Please like don't. I think his wife, Christopher Nolan, and Christopher Nolan's wife all left the theater, mm-hmm. and they were like, "He cannot watch that film." Like all three of them, like we cannot let him see it. It's so bad. We have to save like, him. <laughs> so just let's let's start off on a positive note before we just trash yeah. this movie. I feel. What you do you have... have any positives? Well, I was just gonna say, no, I have no. no <laughs> so I feel. You know, let's get through the so-called strengths of the film. Sorry, I've I've just realised one of the strengths I've put in this list was a weakness. <laughs> <laughs> uh, actually, okay, right, here's cool. here's some good stuff, right? Okay, I think um, I think the colour grading. Well, one, there's more colour in general than the Zack Snyder version, and I know people are like, "Oh, Zack Snyder has a tone." These movies are supposed to be serious, and serious equals darker colours. But I don't think that's true. You can have serious moments and have colour in them. Because there's like a a grey, a Justice's grey, black and white edition of Mm -hmm. Zack Snyder's Justice League, which when you watch Zack Snyder's Justice League, it's basically black and white anyway. Yeah. Like there's, it's all very washed out. But in this version, the colours kind of pop a bit more. Like, the red on Flash's suit kind of stands out. And Aquaman's suit has a lot more green and bronze colours to it. So it's a little closer to his comic book costume. Mm-hmm. It's not as close as the one he gets in Aquaman. But it's still a bit closer than the one that's in Snyder's version. Um, so are you telling me that one of the first strengths you have about this film is it has pretty colours? It does, it does. Is that... And even then, the the color because like the color grading isn't great. Like there's some scenes where people's skin look like there's there's parts where like Ben Affleck looks dead red in the face, and a lot of people are like, mm-hmm. "Oh, that's because he was going through alcoholism at the time." But when you actually watch a bunch of the different like actors in the film, they've all got kind of like red blotches on their skin. And I think it's just because the the I know the saturation or something has been turned up dead high because they were trying to make it more like a Marvel movie, but it wasn't filmed to look like a Marvel movie. It was filmed like a Zack Snyder movie, so it ends up looking really weird. Or but... maybe all the actors had similar problems and had <laughs> problems. <laughs> Everyone had to turn a drink and get through that movie. I, I like how we said, let's talk about strengths, and we've immediately gone into a weakness. <laughs> <laughs> So it has pretty colors. Listen it has up, pretty colors. It's it's also. Oh, here we go. I think the exposition of Flash's mum is done better in the Joss Whedon version because you have Alfred 
talking to Bruce Wayne, who doesn't know the situation, right? Mm-hmm. And Alfred's there saying, uh, Barry protested his father's innocence, who was in prison for killing his mom. And it makes sense contextually why Alfred would be telling Batman that. But in the Snyder version, um, when you watch it, it's like Barry Allen and his dad are talking about why Barry's dad is in prison. Mm-hmm. But it's like they both know that. Like it's 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 a bit clunkier in the Snyder version. So I think it's just done a bit better in the in the theatrical. One of the few things that's done better. Um, another thing, Wonder Woman when she gets past the sword, you know, when Flash is running around the. Oh yeah, and he like taps it and it pushes up to her hand. In the theatrical cut, when she gets the sword, she actually uses it. Oh yeah. She what? cuts a parademon and then lands to her feet. But in the regular version, the the Snyder version, when she gets past the sword, she just drops to the floor. So, like, like, there's no reason for her to grab the sword because she doesn't use it when Flash passes it to her. Um, you know what? So it's I'm surprised you're shitting on Zack Snyder's one. That's I've I've never seen you done that before. That's <laughs> it's just because it, it's not a perfect movie. It's just a movie I like. But I, I think there's like a couple things in this movie where one, some they're like the only two examples where someone's seen the footage that's there and gone, how can we like do something else with this? Because a lot of the time it's pointless reshoots, mm-hmm. you know, and that's that's mostly all, you know, I like the, the Flash and Superman race. That's really good. Scene. Yeah, I do like that. Um, I, I like that Superman has more dialogue. He actually talks to the Justice League. Yeah, um, which he doesn't do in the the Snyder version. Really, there's like, some nice Trinity stuff with Batman, Wonder Woman, and Superman at the end. Like it just, it's nice seeing Superman interact with the other Justice League people. Mm-hmm. I think the only person he doesn't speak to is Aquaman. <laughs> Awkward. That's <laughs> the only person. It's which is a shame because I think there's like somewhere. I think Jason Momoa has said that in Man of Steel, you know when Superman's in the ocean. Oh, yeah. and he... The Aquaman's the one who saved him, mm-hmm. apparently. So it's weird that they didn't have, like, a, a callback to... Uh, like yeah, saying, I don't know. Like, hey, thanks. do you remember when I saved you from those whales? <laughs> <laughs> thanks for saving me. I mean, even though I'm invincible, but thanks anyway. <laughs> there's, I mean, there's a, there's a couple other bits, like... Um, Positive. Yeah, we're actually running out of my strengths. There's, like, for example... <laughs> When Cyborg collects the mother box, it like it's like a little bit in the Snyder version. He lands with the everyone's like, oh, for all we know, Steppenwolf could have the box already. And then Cyborg lands and goes, he doesn't have it, and he's holding the box. And then there's a pause, and he goes, I do. Ooh. In the theatrical cut, they cut the I do out because you don't need it. He just lands and goes, he doesn't have it, and you're like, oh, of course not, because you have it. But then. That's it. That's all the strengths. Everything so, else about so, right, the movie is trash. <laughs> let me just recap. So the strengths are about this film. It has pretty colours. Um, they cut one bit of dialogue out from Cyborg instead of saying, I have it, you know. And the other one, he there's a wee bit more explanation about Barry's mum. Well, no, it's, it's not more explanation. It's just the explanation makes more sense in that context. Right. But that's oh, it. and there's oh. two lines of dialogue I did that I like. Please tell. There's a bit where Cyborg and his dad are having a conversation. And most of the conversation, like the relationship between those two, is done worse in this version. But 
there is a scene I like where Cyborg says, you didn't want them to see the monster. And Sarah Stone says, you're not a monster, Vic. And then Victor Stone says, it's weird that you thought I meant me. And Ooh. I was like, oh, that's a nice line. That's I like that. Yeah. But- and Bruce Wayne also was a line where he's talking about Superman and he says he was more human than I am. And I think that is a nice scene. That's good. Okay. I will agree with those dialogues there. They are very nice. But overall, the film is still shit. Let's just... Yeah, like, <laughs> those aren't scenes that you go, oh my God, this is the best film I've ever made. You know, those are scenes where you go, okay, may- maybe I can stick around to the end. And then you regret <laughs> sticking around to the end. And you wish you left. You know, when I watched it in first year, we went, I went with a friend in badminton, and I was actually excited. And then halfway through the film, I looked at him and I said, can we leave? And he said, no, no we'll, we'll stay. I was like, fine, okay. And I really wish I just went and, like, you know, went to the toilet and, you know, played on my phone instead. <laughs> I just, I didn't I, enjoy um, it. I watched it on a laptop because <laughs> I heard really bad reviews. And so no one else wanted to see it at the time. And I thought, well, I still kind of want to see it. So I, like, watched a pirated copy or illegal whoops or whatever. Mm. I like, watched a pirated copy and it was, you know, I remember seeing it and thinking, man, like, like this, this pirated copy really ruins like Henry Cavill's face. <laughs> oh like what's God. going on there? And then when I watched it in HD, I was like, oh no, it just looks like that because of the mustache stuff. <laughs> I think that's a great moment to switch onto the negatives of the film, talking about Henry Cavill's mustache I've got, or... I've got a long list I'll let you go first well, I'll, let you, cause I'll just keep talking no I mean I think that's a good point to move on to Henry Cavill's mustache because I remember hearing rumours about well I didn't know it was definite that you know he had to keep his beard for Mission Impossible or his mustache for Mission Impossible and when they were doing reshoots you know we'll just have to CGI that later I was like that can't be true really it's actually even worse than that Oh, yeah. Apparently, and I, I think this story's hilarious. Apparently, uh, Warner Brothers went to Paramount with some footage that they'd done where they'd CGI'd a mustache and facial hair onto footage of Henry Cavill. And they were like, we will pay to do this on your movie. Like, we will give our money to your film in order to have Henry Cavill shave his face for Justice League. And uh, they were just like, no, no, we're not going to do that. You'll have to CGI the mustache off and i think that's so good because that's clearly a movie studio going we have an opportunity here to fuck (laughs) over another studio and it worked it worked tremendously oh my god i never knew a mustache could be so you know vital you know (laughs) it's it might be the most vital mustache in history because that that entire movie like it opens up with a with a scene of just Henry Cavill's rubbery face. It's so bad. I I was questioning, like, again, when I went to see with my friend, I mentioned, like, oh, keep an eye out for that shitty CGI face. And then as soon as the film starts, I was like, oh, there it is. It's it's there. It's so bad. It's, oh, it's the way his lips move as well. His lips move. It doesn't it doesn't seem right. Here's an even more annoying thing. That movie... It's uh, it's continuity is all over the place, oh. and it's it's very obvious in the opening scene because the suit that Henry Cavill is wearing 
is the suit he gets at the end of the movie. It's not the suit he wears in Man of Steel, and it's not the suit he wears in Batman vs. Superman. It's a different Superman suit. Mm-hmm. And it's clearly just done because they were like, we can't be bothered getting one of the old suits out. We'll just put them in the new one, and no one will notice. And a lot of stuff like that happens. Like Cyborg's origin, for example. In BVS, you see his body on that board, mm-hmm. um, and then the mother box that's grafted into him. But in Justice League, there's different footage where Cyborg has like a metal, two metal legs and a metal arm, but his torso isn't damaged. And apparently, that was done because the studio wanted to make it obvious that Ray Fisher's character still had a penis. <laughs> what? Seriously? That's apparent, apparently, apparently, according to Ray Fisher... They refilmed that scene because they wanted to highlight the existence of Cyborg's penis, which makes no sense because if you watch him throughout the rest of the movie, he clearly doesn't have like a human body underneath that Cyborg stuff. Like it doesn't line up. It's one of the many continuity flaws, and it's weird because this film, Wonder Woman, and Zack Snyder's Justice League, exist in a weird kind of continuity triangle mm. i was just going to add why is it that everything joss sweden does he wants to have a robot with a penis he, he <laughs> that wanted, takes a good point he wanted vision to have a penis and now he wanted cyborg to have a penis like is he okay is there something he wants to share well his career has swiftly come to an end oh yeah Sims, oh yeah things i forgot about so that. maybe no more robot penises <laughs> Um, so bad. But just the continuity weird triangle that exists with these films between Wonder Woman, Justice League, and Zack Snyder's Justice League is because this movie references that the mother box that was given to the humans mm-hmm. was uh, discovered at the end of World War One. Now, at the end of Wonder Woman, there was going to be a scene where... You know Wonder Woman's friend, the secretary? Yeah. She was going to find the box, the mother box. Oh, right. And, like, her and her team, like, the the Wonder Men, as they were called, (laughs) they, that group was going to go on a secret mission. Like, it's set up at the end where she goes to the bar and she's like, the British have discovered something, uh, an artifact that seems very powerful, and it's our job to hand it over to the Americans. And then she's like handing out bits of paper and then you see one of the bits of paper on the table is the mother box and the camera slowly zooms in towards the mother box. But that scene got cut and I think it got cut because Zack Snyder changed it to World War II in his original version of the movie. He did, yeah. But in this movie, in the theatrical cut, it got changed back to being found at the end of World War I but the scene had already been cut out of Wonder Woman by this point. So it's just laziness. So it's like a weird thing of... clear. It's just one of those things where clearly no one was running the shop at the time to determine something as simple as when was this box discovered, mm. you know? I, I also think with this film, it was like DC's desperate attempt to compete with Marvel because you have all these characters like Flash where he's... He's basically Spider-Man. When did this come out? Was it what other Marvel film? This this came out twenty seventeen, so this was 
when Homecoming was out, when Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 was out, and it's a year after Civil War was out. Yeah. So I, I honestly feel this was just their desperate attempt to try and like compete and try and do something similar that Marvel does. Because they had the Flash who after reading what was the was it Rebirth you gave me? The DC Uh yeah, I I gave you Rebirth, which is about Wally West returning to yeah. the DC universe. Like I read that and I really enjoyed what was happening with the two flashes. I thought that was there was some great uh storytelling in that uh comic. And I thought, wow, this character is so very serious. And then when I look back at this film, where Flash is all just the cheesy quip guy and basically Spider-Man, you know, the, he throws the quips and everything. It just, it doesn't seem right. It feels weird. And I feel they just wanted to do that because that's that's a Marvel film. They always have a loads of humour and loads of quippy stuff. Um, well, because this is, this is another thing. I don't want to compare it to Zack Snyder's version too much. But mm-hmm. when you see Ezra Miller's Flash in this movie, he is a lot more like hyper and yeah. over energetic and stuff which feels more like it's playing on quicksilver from the x-men movies yeah you know and then but in snyder's version he's more like he's joking around but he's kind of more like the the immature one of the group mm-hmm. but you still... and people are kind of like oh barry come on like grow up a little bit but i i think that dynamic works better there when this one it doesn't work because one, you can clearly see the seams. There's so many shots in this movie where you can very easily go, "Oh, that's a reshoot." Mm-hmm. Because okay, yeah, the background's the same, but it's CGI'd and weird because they've had to just try and recreate it from what they have instead of using actual digital plates. Mm-hmm. Because that's what Marvel do a lot. If they need to reshoot a scene, what they'll have done beforehand is they'll have filmed plates of the environment they filmed the original in. So if they have to change anything later on, they can just put them into the environment on a green screen and it looks how it did in the original take. Mm. Whereas this film, they clearly went, oh, we don't have any plates of, say, Flash's little hideout. So we've got to take scenes that we filmed, edit out the original actors, and then just put like a 2D overlay of Ben Affleck in a wig. And it, it it's so obvious and it doesn't work. It looks atrocious. And it really messes up a lot of the character stuff. Because, like, they're all over the place. Because you have, like, a consistent character somewhere, but every, like, two minutes or so, they're just putting in a scene that doesn't make any sense. Here's a suggestion that the studio should have, you know... This should have been their first idea. When... Zack Snyder said, look, I can't continue with the film, you know, Family Matters. Their first idea was, should have been, oh, we'll just wait till you're back. Instead of going, oh, we need, we need, to, we need to get that director to finish this. We need to get it done and out because Marvel have two more films out and we have fuck all. What are we going to do? And this There's is actually happened. a reason why they didn't do that. Oh, God. Do, do you know what it is? What is it? The certain executives at Warner Brothers wanted that movie to be released by the end of 2017, by its release date, so that they could all get their Christmas bonuses. Why? Just, oh, my God. Like, why, that, that, there's actually... Why? That came out not too long. I think that was one of the first articles that started to push the release of Snyder Cut movement because it was one of the first times where people realised, oh, some really bad behind-the-scenes stuff has happened here. Mm-hmm. Because you have... This thing coming out going, oh yeah, this movie was butchered and released in this state, 
not because of any creative reason, but because a studio wanted to make money. And like, yeah, every movie studio is a business. Every movie studio wants to make money off a franchise. But to have something so transparent like that get released to the press is pretty fucking bad. That's just so... Oh, I, actually, I feel sorry for this film now. I don't hate it as much. I feel sorry. You know what I also but this, love? Sorry. But I, I don't because, just quickly, I don't because there's so many scenes that didn't need to be refilmed. Like, for example, uh, the scene between Martha and Lois Lane when they're in the Daily Planet. Yeah. That didn't need to be refilmed. A very similar scene like that already existed and was much better. And yeah, in the Snyder version, it gets revealed to be Martian Manhunter. But, you know, that reveal doesn't happen in that scene. That reveal happens after. So you could just take that scene and just have that scene on its own and just go, okay, in the, instead of it being Martian Manhunter, it's actually just Martha this time. Mm-hmm. And it would have played exactly the same. But instead, they filmed something where they make like a sex joke about Lois Lane, which is like... Why? Why? Why are you doing this? Like, I also saw a lot um, of, like, scene comparisons with uh, the Zack Snyder's one and Josh Sweden's one. And there's a lot of weird camera angles where it focuses on Diana's ass. And it's like, why? And then if you see Zack Snyder's, it's totally fine. It's, there's a lot of weird there's there's, a, there's, like, a couple lingering shots yeah. on, like, Zack Snyder's. Like, because that's the thing, right? As much as I like his stuff, he... He was the one who designed that, like, very short skirt on Wonder Woman. Oh, dear. Like, so he's not a saint. Like, he, <laughs> there's, like, she's still very sexualized, um, you know, All in both bad. versions. But it's just, it's it's more so in this one because uh, Joss Whedon's version of feminism is just to sexualize women, but make them okay with it. So it's, like, empowerment. Like, what? Why? Why are all men bad, honestly? You know what I also love in the opening credits where it's like a slow motion of seeing how the world reacted to the death of Superman. Which then... all of that is like... it. That I think that opening scene with the song is trying to mimic Snyder's style. Yeah, to try... And... Because it it's like Watchmen. Yeah, but I, I really love this shot where it zooms in on a hobo and he, it says, I tried, and it's just after Josh Whedon was credited for doing the screenplay or the, uh, like the script. And it's like, I tried. I'm sorry. He even, he, you himself. But it's like, that... you obviously didn't because there's nothing that he added to that film that is any better that, than was already there. Yeah. You know? There's no scene in that movie where you're like, oh, thank God they brought him in to change it, you mm. know? But like, for example, here's, I'm just going to run through a bunch of stuff on this um list of weaknesses i have go ahead one of them is the line where ben affleck's batman is looking into the mother boxes and he says something like oh there must be containers of some kind and then alfred's like what's in them and he says i don't know money power it's like why would there be money in these ancient (laughs) boxes like he sees paint like cave paintings of them or like old fucking artwork when he goes to ackerman's village and there's that muriel which was added by just reading that wasn't in the Snyder Cut. And it's like, he knows that these aren't just boxes you find every day, you know? They're like being teased at by aliens. There's not going to be like American currency in those boxes. It's such a stupid fucking line, you know? You have the Amazon chase makes less sense. Yeah. Because in the Snyder Cut, they 
trap him inside that box, and then they drop the box into the ocean, hoping that'll kill him. And then he escapes, he's actually alive. So then them running away with the box is because they're just trying to keep it away from Steppenwolf until the Amazon army arrives to take him out. But in this version, she just puts the box on a horse and is like, keep it moving. And it's like, where are you going? What is your plan? What are you trying to do? It makes less sense. His axe is worse, Steppenwolf's axe. The design of Steppenwolf is infinitely worse. It's terrible. There's a great bit in the Snyder Cut. I'm going to keep talking about the Snyder Cut. I'm sorry. There's a great bit in the Snyder Cut where Steppenwolf goes to kill an Amazon with his axe. And before he hits her, you see the lightning burst out of her mouth and eyes. (laughs) That isn't in this. It's the same scene, but they removed the lightning effect because they made the axe fire instead for some reason. Why not? You know, it's stupid. The, uh, The trident and Aquaman's armor has less context in this version. Mm-hmm. It's a bit like, random. Like, you don't know it's his mother's. It's just, he bumps into Mira, who's like, you need to go fight Steppenwolf. And he's like, well, I need some stuff from you then. And then it's just, you just assume, oh, he got given that stuff by Mira. And then it isn't until Aquaman the movie where you find out, oh, that's his mother's trident. But you were supposed to find that out in this movie, but they cut that scene out. So it just seems like a random weapon he got given. It makes less sense. Almost every... Uh, actor of colour, every black actor, every Asian actor got removed from this movie or their role was reduced. It's ridiculous. Even like the guy working with uh, Jim Gordon, Mm -hmm. the other lieutenant who I don't think gets a name, even that guy got less dialogue and it's like that feels racist. Like it's just the fact that it's every main black actor or even side black actor, like Ryan Choi the only Asian character in this movie, I think, gets completely removed in this version, which just leaves a bad taste in the mouth. You the, know what the, I mean? I know what you mean. But is this is this all the people at DC going like, well, this is the only way we're going to get our Christmas bonus at the end. We need to cut out all <laughs> the Asians, be. all the blacks, because I want my Christmas bonus. Like, what? But it would have cost them more money. These reshoots would have cost the studio so much more money than if they'd simply just cut down a two-hour version of what Zack Snyder had filmed. Like, it just... I don't understand. You know, they added a pointless Russian family. Oh, that is just so weird. Especially... And then the little girl, she picks up, like, a can of bug spray, and there's no payoff. I don't get it, because they had an amazing scene. Again, we don't want to spend too much on Zack Snyder's one, but there was an amazing scene with Flash, and they thought, you know what? Let's have a Russian family. Instead. It's like, why? Like, why? Makes no And it's sense. weird because they, they focus on that one Russian family throughout most of, like, the film. Like, they keep cutting back to it. When it switches to the second act, they keep cutting back to this Russian family. And then Flash saves the Russian family, but then Superman saves, like, a whole building full of people. <laughs> and it's like, oh, so they weren't the only people in this town. But it also makes no sense. Like, why would this Russian family be in the middle of nowhere where there's no shops, you know? I felt... There's no work, no. clearly. Like, it makes no fucking sense. I felt... It's just... I... It's clearly done because Joss Whedon thinks, oh, you need people on the ground to, you know, see the superheroes through their eyes. But it's like, no, you just see the superheroes from the superhero point of view. I feel that scene was added just so Joss Whedon can say, oh... I made this film. See that Russian family 
uh, storyline. That was all my idea. He wanted to have some part of the film where it was like, that That was a good idea. But it wasn't. It's, it was terrible. It's bizarre, though, because a similar thing like this happened in the uh, in the 80s uh, with, um, well, 70s, 80s, with Superman 2, where Richard Lester, in order for him to get credit on Superman 2 as the director... He had to have directed over fifty percent of the movie, so he goes in and he refilms a bunch of scenes that are more or less the same, um, changes some dialogue and does this, this, and this, and he removes Marlon Brando from the movie entirely. And that was just to get his name credited as director, because there was a big fallout with Richard Donner for yeah. whatever reason. But in this movie, even though I'm pro, I'm certain that most of this movie has been refilmed by Joss Whedon. I think they still credited Zack Snyder, and I have no idea why. Like, Whedon must have put about 50% of this movie up front. It's it's a bit weird. I feel they just wanted to put Zack Snyder's name in, just so that they could get the fans to go, look, it's it's still Zack Snyder's vision. Come along. To be honest, I, I, I think it was just done because they were hoping that this would just, that none of the stuff they did behind the scenes was going to come out, that they mm. could just go, no, this is Zack Snyder's vision. We didn't change anything, but because it's so obviously changed there's scenes from the trailers that weren't in the movie there's obvious reshoots you look at the movie and not one person could go oh yeah this is a complete vision yeah it's like a hodgepodge of two different directors who've got two different interpretations of these characters and it just it doesn't work you know yeah there's a couple nice bits here and there but for the most part it's ridiculous yeah like there's a bit where wonder woman who's in a wonder woman armor goes into a different room of the Batcave, which, by the way, here's a fun thing. In uh, the Snyder Cut, that hangar they all work in, mm-hmm. where the flying fox is, that is in a separate building called Wayne Aerospace. What? It's a building in Gotham. But in this version, they just imply it's a different room of the Batcave. <laughs> but it makes no sense because there's like what? light coming in from the windows. Yeah. So it's it's like a needless change where it's like, why did you do that? It's you know? And then there's like a separate room that they've clearly built for these scenes because there's two separate scenes in this room. There's the scene with Alfred and then there's the scene with Diana. And it's clearly it's got it doesn't look like anything else. It mm. doesn't look like the aerospace room, it doesn't look like the Bat Cave. It's clearly nothing. But Wonder Woman is in her regular gear in the hangar. She walks into this separate room to have a conversation with Bruce, and all of a sudden is wearing, like, a cloak, yeah. shawl type thing. Comes from nowhere. Maybe she was cold. One of the things that really annoyed me about the film uh, was because... was Batman. You know, in Batman vs Superman, there was loads of th- stuff in that film where I was a wee bit confused. Like, it didn't really, that really add up. But I loved Ben Affleck's Batman. I thought he was great. He was very yeah. brutal, very dark and everything. Uh, and he had like a good reason to be after Superman, and he, he was great. And then you get to this film, and he's a wee bit of a his, his whole character sort of changed. He's a wee bit of a, like a wimp in a way. I still remember this scene in the film when I think Superman's back and they're all fighting, um, and Superman, you know, picks up Batman and he's like, "Who are you? I know you, who you are, and everything." And he chucks him out the police car. And then you see oh, yeah, this, another big tumble. Like this really weird, it's a small scene, but it, it just ruins the character in a way where you just see him going, oh, I'm in pain. It's like, 
Because <laughs> that, that's when Superman's like, do you bleed? Throws yeah. him aside, and then Batman's like, something's definitely bleeding. It's, it's like, why? one, who are you saying that to? No one's nearby. Mm-hmm. And secondly, why is he all of a sudden making jokes? It's because. And I think, I, I think, sorry, you might say the same thing. Yeah. But I think it's because Joss Whedon was trying to, one, make him a bit more like Tony Stark. Yes. But two, I think they were also setting him up to leave the role. Oh, really? That's not what I was going to say. Because re-watching it, Mm -hmm. there's a bunch of stuff where, like, when he's injured, he's saying how, oh, um, I'm, you know, I can barely do this now, you know, type thing. Like, being Batman. I'm struggling to be Batman in this state. And then he's talking about how Diana should step up to lead the Justice League. That subplot is an inside cut. But there's a couple bits in this movie where they're trying to make Diana the leader. And I think those were clearly added after the Wonder Woman film was successful. Mm. And they were like, oh, fuck, maybe we should make Wonder Woman the big headliner of this universe. Um, And then he talks about, oh, you can dress up as a bat for whatever. And it's just there's a couple bits where it feels like they're setting up him wanting to leave the role and him passing on the mantle to someone else who can take over. And guess who was going to be writing a Batgirl movie? Oh, Joss Whedon. Of course. I I knew that was coming. (laughs) I think this was setting up him leaving the role, retiring the role. He was going to take over the Batgirl movie, which also, if that's true, it makes even less sense why they would get rid of the Ben Affleck Batman movie, because that movie was about Ben Affleck training Batgirl. That would make um, sense. And passing on the role, I think. So it's one of those weird things where you've added something in, but taken something out. So you get like a zero sum because you're not adding to this universe. The stuff you're taking away is important to the stuff that you're adding in. It's so weird. The continuity behind the scenes of all this stuff is all over the place. It's dreadful. The only other thing I was going to say about the Batman and him trying to make him have more jokes and everything, I, I just thought it was like another attempt to make it feel like a Marvel film. You know, they were just trying so hard, like, the little scenes, like, it just doesn't add up whatsoever. And the continuity, we've, we've, we've talked about a lot, it's just, it really annoys me. And I think that's why, uh, when that film came out, I had such a negative view on all the DC films. Because it just wasn't working. So I was like, right, I'm just giving up with this franchise. It's, it's going nowhere. <laughs> I'm going to stick well, with Marvel. <laughs> I, I think we should move on to the next one. Absolutely. I think we spend quite a lot of time talking about the shittest film. <laughs> yeah, but... May see... I, may I point out? I think it's it's very obvious that I think Justice League is the worst one. Yeah. And I'm happy saying that because a better version does exist. Exactly. But it's such a shame because I think for the most part, the general public won't have seen Zack Snyder's version mm-hmm. because it's quite a long movie. So this is probably the Justice League that a lot of people associate Justice League with. Yeah. And it's such a fucking stain on the name. It's so bad. But... I really hope we get a new one soon. So, just to conclude with this film, it has, what, four strengths? The re- the other stuff? <laughs> it's, it's terrible. Okay? Overall, don't watch More colour, a couple good lines... And that, that's why <laughs> you were really struggling. You were so like, I need to say something positive. I love DC. I need to say something positive, mate. Just be honest. It's shit. And I'm I'm certain we've not 
talked about all the weaknesses. You know, know. like there's there's the probably lo- like we didn't talk about all the fucking pointless jokes. We didn't talk about how they sort of made in the the history lesson is worse. Oh yeah. Um, we didn't talk about the fact that the Batcave has like a weird CGI door that they added for no reason. Like, I think that's... there's a bunch of stuff that we've not talked about, yeah. but there's too much to talk about this movie. It's dog shit. So I think we should move on to the next number slightly 10. better movie. Well, it'll be interesting to see what you put for number 10. We have no idea what's on each other's list. So this is really exciting. Number 10, three, two, one. Wonder, Wonder Woman, Woman 1984. 1984. <laughs> yes! <laughs> We're so good. I'm, I'm happy. I've got two Kinder Eggs on the way. <laughs> Come on, boys. You know what? It'd be amazing if we, if I get 11 Kinder Eggs. I would be amazing. If we get all the way through this. I'm curious to see what our first deviation is going to be. I'm going to be really um, upset when we find out. It's like, no. <laughs> this one... I've the the strengths and weaknesses kind of started to balance out a bit more. Um, again, for me, I was struggling with the strengths with this one. It's so, <laughs> it's again again for me for Marvel. So I was really struggling to see like the benefits of this, well, not the benefits, but the good stuff of the film. But I was I remember watching it at yours, and I was really struggling. You know, because we had a little film night, didn't we? We got everyone mm-hmm. over. And we were like, and I was like, guys, because I'd seen it over you Christmas. You'd seen it, yeah. And no one else had, and I was like, you guys are in for a doozy. And I remember when the Wishing Stone came out, I think one of our friends turned to us and was like, is this a Wish movie? <laughs> like, yes! Because <laughs> I think this one is slightly better, right? Because it's more enjoyable in how bad it is. See, I was going to say that for another film on the list, but... I will agree with you there. When you watch it together, I feel you can only watch it with a group of friends and you all know it's a terrible one. But I think you'll enjoy it more because it's terrible. Because, yes, I remember, um, I think two of our friends were really excited to see this one because they loved the <laughs> character. And it's like, oh, it's going to be it's gonna be great. It's going to be great. And then me and our friend Joe, we were just, you know, we didn't know what was going on. And oh, because he... he... You kept spoiling it, didn't you? Because every every time, like, because it's it's one of those films. It kind of proof that it's a very easy to understand. Like, oh, you you not easy to understand, but easy to predict. Yeah. I, I suppose is a better way because there's so many things where like the magic wishing stone comes out, and he's like, "Well, that's how she gets her powers," and then like, <laughs> I like, "Oh, that's how Steve comes back to life. It's because of the wishing stone." Oh, she's gonna lose her super strength. Like, it's so easy to predict, but then there's other things that you can't predict, such as, wait. Steve Trevor is just in another man's body. Right, before we get into that, that's, I feel that's going to be an, an episode of its own. But before we get to that, I think my first weakness of this film, it's not really a weakness, but it's my major question of this film. Who, in their right mind, after watching this film, within 24 hours, 48 hours, thought, you know what, this film needs to get a third one. How? How was that possible? You know it's even worse, right? Oh, God, no. The Suicide Squad. Mm-hmm. That Before that came out, they announced they were doing a spin-off TV show. Oh, like, less yeah. than a day, a couple days, of Wonder Woman getting released. They were like, we're getting a sequel. Zack mm-hmm. Snyder's Justice League, again, going about this film. I apologise. But that movie was doing pretty well. I saw a bunch of people, like videos of people online, where they were like, I hate Zack Snyder's DC movies, but this film is actually pretty good. Like, it seemed to turn 
the the channel bit. I think it's one of the top five most like rated comic book movies of all time. Like really? it's up there with the Dark Knight. Oh yes, I did see that post. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's Spider Verse, the Dark Knight. I think Logan's up there. I think Shang Chi's up there as well. Yeah. Um, they're like it's one of the most highest rated comic book movies of all time, and they just went, no, we're not doing a sequel. Not only are we not doing a sequel, we're not going to let Zack Snyder put any special features on the Blu-ray or the 4K. We're not going to release the trailers for the Blu-ray or the 4K. Like, there's so it's it's such an obvious, fuck, this movie's doing well. We look like idiots fucking it up back in 2016, 2017. We need to uh, bury it. Mm-hmm. But then this movie, yeah. which universally seems to be disliked, they were like, well, enough people saw it on HBO Max, so you're getting a third one. <laughs> like, what? No, they just got... Because these streaming services, they, they can see... I, I believe that, you know, they get to see how many people watch it. I think they were... They just saw the figure of loads of people watching it, but they didn't see the figure of people stopping after that <laughs> half an hour mark. They should have yeah. had a figure for that. Like, oh, so many people are watching it, However, all of them are stopping after the 30-minute mark. Why? Do you think Do you think we'll get any confirmation of Wonder Woman 3 at DC Fandom this year? I feel we'll get something. I'm not looking forward to that. You know, that's when I'll switch off. Because um, I don't want <laughs> to see Diana abusing another man's body for... Because <laughs> here's, here's the thing, right? The last This movie and the last movie we talked about, they both kind of end in a way that seems to be setting up some kind of Legion of Doom. Yes. The true. Legion of Doom was going to be Zack Snyder's original Justice League 2. The idea was that the Legion of Doom, which was going to be a different lineup, um, it was going to have like Captain Cold and Dr. Poison from the first Wonder Woman movie. Mm-hmm. And even though he probably won't direct another Justice League movie, this movie sets up Cheetah as being alive and potentially still having her powers. And the last movie, Justice League, had Lex Luthor and yeah. Deathstroke mm-hmm. proposing some kind of League of Their Own, as they said. So I wonder if they will set up a kind of Legion of Doom. I wonder if Cheetah would be like the main villain of the next Wonder Woman. Because I like Cheetah, but I think she's wasted in this movie. And I don't think Kristen Wiig is good casting for the character. It- feels a bit odd it's an odd choice but i was just going to quickly go back to your point about how they were going to lead up to a legion a legion of doom is that what they're called yeah the legion of doom yeah from from a marvel fan i'm sort of (laughs) not jealous but like kind of shocked that dc were about to do the stuff that marvel are only just starting to do you know they were going to be if they had got their shit together they would have probably been you know, one of the greatest cinematic universes because they were doing stuff that only Marvel are doing now, like a, a you know, a group of bad guys teaming up and everything. So it's just it's like a sh- a real shock to see. But that this is the thing, right? It. This is because a lot of people say that Warner Brothers were trying to copy Marvel, and I think Warner Brothers were, but Zack Snyder, his plan was like you had a five movie arc at the center of his universe, and then. Off those five stories, you could branch off different spin-offs and whatever, like Aquaman and The Flash, Wonder Woman. Like, it wasn't going to be this ongoing narrative, which kind of Marvel is. Like, Marvel is just constantly building on their story, like this endless tapestry of all these different creatives coming in and 
adding on. Whereas this universe, Zack Snyder's architecture to it was going to be a core five movie arc that would have a beginning, middle and end. I don't think it started off that way. I think Man of Steel um, was just going to have a Man of Steel 2. I don't think the original plan was BVS, then three Justice Leagues. Mm -hmm. Um, But either way, it evolved into this arc and then there was room for spin-offs. But I think Warner Brothers were like, oh, we just won't do what Marvel are doing. We just want to tease endless stories, which works for Marvel because Marvel, you feel, oh, there's someone at the head of the table who's directing where all this stuff goes. Mm -hmm. But with DC, in every movie, you're constantly like, why did no one catch that? You know, who's like, who is anyone in charge? Is anyone there making sure this stuff lines up? Because surely someone should have realized that the body swap thing just doesn't work. I want to see the meeting where someone said, right, guys, we've got to find a way to bring Chris Pine back. Any suggestions? And they go around the room and everyone's going, oh, I don't know. This is, this is a really hard task because everyone loved the character. Everyone loved the relationship between them. And then some random person thought, you know what, guys? Let's, let's get Diana to... You know, abuse a man. Make a wish. <laughs> and everyone in that room was like, that's a genius idea. You're getting I think I like to think that the meeting took place at someone's birthday <laughs> and someone turned around to the, the birthday boy executive and was like, make a wish. And he goes, wait, that gives me an idea. Because <laughs> oh, no. it's so... Because one, it's not from the comics either. I mean, That stone, the closest thing that that stone resembles, the dream stone, I think they call it, is that the Sandman from Neil Gaiman's comics has a thing, a stone that he wears, which is called the dream stone. Mm -hmm. It's not a wishing stone. It's not to do with Greek gods. It's to do with these other cosmic deities called the Endless. Like, it's it's related in name only. Like, it's not really the dream stone from the comics, but that is the only thing like that that is in the comics. Um, Do you want to know what Maxwell Lord's powers are in the comics go ahead because he's got some and this is something that i think is kind of interesting in the comics at some point on the runner i don't know if he had these the whole of his comic existence but at least on the run-up to infinite crisis when you had the omac story and all that stuff um maxwell lord gets the power to uh control people's minds and he's taking control of the justice league and he's using something called Brother Eye, which is Batman's like surveillance satellite that he's mm-hmm. managed to take over. I can't remember the exact specifics. It's been a while since I've read it. But that story culminates in Wonder Woman wrapping Maxwell Lord in the Lasso of Truth and saying, how do I stop you? And he says, the only way you can stop me is to kill me. So she breaks his neck. Oh, damn. That's quite dark. It is. It's one of Wonder Woman's... Like, most like well-known moments in comics it's constantly like referenced again most recently i think was in heroes in crisis where the end of the book i've got has like a bunch of photos that are depicting superheroes worst traumas Mm -hmm. and for wonder woman it's killing maxwell lord and i think originally this story was going to be about wonder woman taking down maxwell lord and brother i 
And the reason it was called 1984 is because it was leaning into the George Orwell book of like the surveillance state yeah. in 1984. Because why else call it that? It's you a, know, it's a very odd time period to choose. Because there's nothing in this movie that really needs the 80s. No. I suppose that whole culture of excess a bit, mm. you know, want more, I guess. But other than that, like, it doesn't feel like an 80s movie. Like, sure, there's the opening fight um, with the uh, in the mall. It's a little Christopher Reeve Superman. It's a little campy, yeah. bit fun. But tonally, it's very different to the rest of the movie because then you have, like... Christine Wig almost getting raped in a park. Like, what? <laughs> Who's this movie for? So I think originally the story was going to be, because if you look at like the first promotional picture that they released, it's Wonder Woman in front of a bunch of monitors in, like, a black room. There's no scene like that in the movie other than Maxwell Lord appearing on a bunch of TV uh, screens. But in this picture, it's, like, a bunch of, like, weird stuff on each of the monitors. And I think the original story was going to have her going up against Brother I, based off Big Brother from 1984, the name of the movie, and I think at the end, she was going to break Maxwell Lord's neck. And I think someone above, because I, I think around about the time of them going into writing this movie, there was a regime change. I think AT&T had purchased Warner Brothers, and I think they came in and were like, you need to make this movie lighter. Mm-hmm. You did make this movie more fun, more family-friendly, so you can't have another superhero break someone's neck because people didn't like that in Man of Steel. And I, I think that's even more likely to have happened because recently, I can't remember his name, but some guy came out and was like, I got approached to direct Suicide Squad 2, but I left the project because they wanted there was a regime change at the time and they wanted a comedy. I think that lines up with when about this movie was going to get written. I think the way it works out mm. is I think AT&T purchased Warner Brothers. I think it got finalized in like June of 2018. Okay. And then this movie got rewritten or like a new writer got hired in July 2018. So I, and then it started filming in like August. So I think, cause if you, this movie feels like it was written in a first draft. Uh, the original story was going to be completely different to this. And I think the only reason it was set in the 80s is because by this point of them rewriting it, they'd already done all the pre-production to have 80s sets, 80s costume design, 80s set design, and they were like, well, you can't change the setting, so keep the setting, even though the name doesn't make any sense anymore. Keep the setting and change the story. Once again, a uh, fucked up film. That's that's how they're made. But you know what's also... But do you really... not think that's kind of interesting, though? The idea that there could have been a, a different version of this film. A darker version of this film, maybe. Well, yeah, I mean, I was just going to link it to the first one because the first one was quite serious and, you know, talk, dealing with dark themes and everything. And then the next time you see Wonder Woman, or, like, this, her sequel, it's all campy and everything, and it just doesn't feel right. And I think it would have been really cool to kind of continue with that theme from the first one. And as you said... You know the original idea of having a wee, a wee bit more, have a serious tone with it and everything. So it's it's because she also, I think because you're right there because she they didn't continue the tone of like her even reacting to the world around her mm-hmm. because she doesn't seem appalled by eighties culture. She just seems like she's she lives in it now. Mm-hmm. Like she's not out there trying to stop. 
like she saves um minerva from being mm. attacked but and like she's out there like fighting crime whatever but she just like she goes like she just seems like she's so a part of the world now she's not reacting to it anymore she's not surprised by anything and i think it's weird to have a character like this just kind of go oh well the world's kind of going to shit oh well mm-hmm. it, it just like does, it doesn't really work especially because it's also before batman versus superman and everything and Yes, you know, in, when the first time you saw Batman versus Superman, you saw, like, references to Wonder Woman because you saw the photo, like, the team-up. Um, yeah, but the idea is she hasn't been active Yeah, but then, since then. Yeah, and then there's no real reference to this big situation in the film, you know. How... Which he would have definitely been a part of because his yeah. parents were dead by this point. So what would have Bruce Wayne wished for when yeah. this magic guy turns on TV saying, hey, I can grant you whatever wish? And do you really think Bruce Wayne would have, you know, renounced his wish if he got a chance to be with his parents again? And I, that's why the core part of this film makes no sense. The whole wishing stone of it all doesn't work because it's such a cynical outlook on humanity where it's like, oh, if you make a wish, um, the wish is going to be selfish, mm-hmm. you know? And, like, the monkey paw thing doesn't really work because when Maxwell Lord becomes the wishing stone, and he starts, like, he can just take whatever he wants. It, like, it doesn't work because he's there going, oh, uh, you want to be famous. Okay, well, you get to be famous, but now I can give Minerva cat powers. Like, what does that have anything to do with her wish? Like, the monkey paw thing doesn't make any sense. It's because they just wanted Cheetah in the film because it's one of Wonder Woman's biggest arch nemesis. That's one of the strengths I've listed, is that we get a live-action Cheetah. It's not good, but at least we got one. <laughs> at, at, at least you can say, oh, we've seen her on screen. We, there's a I got to see the eagle suit on screen and I got to see a cheater on screen. And at this point, that's all the movie can offer. Oh, a... and the, the lasso combat is pretty fun. It is cool. I do like that. I was also going to say something about the wishing stone. Don't you think it looks like a dildo? <laughs> and with that, I think we should move on to the <laughs> next... I think we should move on to the next uh, movie on our list. You know what? I just wanted to throw that out there. I've been seeing it. What? That's a very sharp edge dildo. Well, th- yeah, but you know, but I've been seeing on uh, Twitter and everything. When, I don't want. Let's. We're moving on. We're I don't want to know what you've been seeing on Twitter. <laughs> no, honestly, it's, I'm, I'm not the only one who sees this. Everyone else sees that it looks like a dildo. Anyway, so we're moving on. Yeah, we got to rattle through these. We're going to move <laughs> on to the next one. Uh, so, so we've had them. So, worst one, Justice League, and then number ten was Wonder Woman, nineteen eighty four. Again, I want my third Kinder Egg. Here we go, number nine. Right. Three, two, one. Birds of Prey. Suicide Squad. Oh. Oh. Oh, I don't have one. Oh no. Suicide. Oh, put Birds of Prey. You've been Suicide Squad, the David Ayer's one. Oh, well, is it David Ayer's one? That's the thing. Which one are you, are you talking, the Suicide Squad or Suicide no, Squad? No, I'm talking about the original Suicide Squad, the, the original, first one. Oh, so you're talking about Which David... I don't really want to call David Ayer's Suicide Squad, because it's, apparently yeah. they've massively, they've done to this one what they did to Justice League. However, I personally, the reason why it's so low on the list is I don't think David Ayer's version would be much of a difference. Because one, the reshoots aren't as obvious in this movie. Mm-hmm. So it's hard to look and pick what scenes aren't supposed to be there. Well, um, 
But I do think that the core premise of this movie is broken because the the setup of the movie is what if Superman was a bad guy? Who would have stopped him? But the actual plot is the Suicide Squad have to go save Amanda Waller from Midway City. And then they accidentally, not accidentally, but then they end up stumbling into this confrontation with the Enchantress. And I think you can't really fix that because the Suicide Squad, one, they're not on their own. Mm -hmm. Two, people on the team aren't really that powerful. Maybe Katana's more powerful in Aya's version, but she doesn't do anything in this version. I always forget she's in this movie. And I just, I don't think there's enough you can do with this film. Because even David Ayer admitted that he chose the wrong villain, that Joker should have been the main antagonist. Mm -hmm. So if even he can realise there's flaws in this film, I don't know if his, you know, final vision would be much better. It's actually really funny because I've taken this film, I'll talk, I won't tell you where I've put this film on my list, but I'll I'll talk about it a wee bit. But I've taken an entirely different approach with this film. I think it's, Yes, I'll agree there. It's a very bad film. But I think it that's why it's good and funny to watch. Because I've, I've taken this list from a different viewpoint. I've tried, what kind of ranked it as how I enjoyed it, it you know? You know, if you said to me, Thomas, where we're going to watch a DC film, which one would you watch? And this is the list, right? The first one I'd watch, second, etc. So I won't tell you where I put Suicide Squad, but I enjoyed it because it was so bad. And I See, I, okay. It. There's some there's some really funny moments like Katana, you know the way where Flag introduces her. I love that scene. It's so badly written, but I think it's hilarious and I love it. This is Katana. She has my, my back. I'd advise not pissing her off or something like that. <laughs> I advise not getting killed by her. Her sword, sword traps the souls, souls of, of her victims. victims. <laughs> I love it. You know, what, you know what's funnier, right? Throughout that, because that first act of that film is a mess. Yeah. Because you go through that film. And everyone's getting these really flashy introductions, mm-hmm. which obviously are edited in post. Like because like when when Arkham Asylum comes up, they've like added like flashy neon purple and green lights. But then when the neon and green lights fade, it's just a dark, miserable location. Mm-hmm. So clearly, it was supposed to be dead, moody, and twisted. And they've just gone fuck. Uh, add color. Yeah. Like just paint over it in MS Paint. <laughs> but, like, everyone gets all these flashy title cards and introductions, and then it gets to Katana, it's just, this is Katana. I love she's it. got my back. Every time I start watching that movie, every, literally every time, I forget she's in it until it's that scene of her getting on the plane, I'm like, oh, yeah, Katana's in this. <laughs> what? I love it. You know the other character that I love? Slipknot. The man who can climb anything. <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do you see I'm just quoting what they've written? Because it's so memorable. I love how they introduced him, right? The man who can climb anything. And the only reason they introduced him was to sh- highlight like, how serious the situation is, that if they ran away from the mission, they would die. And they needed to show <laughs> that, so they brought Slipknot, the man who can climb anything. And I love Which, that. again, it goes to the whole thing of how the premise of, oh, what if Superman was evil? Yeah. Who would have stopped him? What is Slipknot going to do? Like, like, what is... Is he going to... He's climb gonna, up to it. Yeah, I, I was going to say, he's going <laughs> to climb up and attack him from above because he can climb anything. I've just... I've, all my weaknesses for this film, because we can talk about strengths or whatever when we get yeah. to where he's in your list, mm-hmm. but for weaknesses, there's so many things. The fact that Deadshot wears his mask once 
the weird twist about, oh, it's Amanda Waller they've gone to save, which just doesn't work. Yeah. Um, Slipknot. I've just written Slipknot. He is a weakness <laughs> of this movie. That's it. Um, I think the music, obviously, is terrible. It's funny, though, because it's their attempt. Like, again, I, I think it's... Isn't it funny that they were like, we need to make Suicide Squad more like Guardians of the Galaxy? Literally. You know who was... we should get for the second one? <laughs> there you go. But literally, they had just seen Guardians of the Galaxy and going, oh, look, popular songs, you know, everyone's loving these songs. Maybe we should do that. And it's again... It's, it's not the great character work in that movie. I know why people like that movie. It's because they have music in it. <laughs> to be honest, it does sound like a playlist I would create where it's just, you know, my playlist and there's no theme, you know. It's not. It's a great band. playlist. It's great. I, lis- I listen to that soundtrack. I used to when, like, we were playing, you know, we used to have, like, a lot of those zombie nights. Yeah. Is that the one you were Back playing? when we started uni. I used to listen oh. to that soundtrack. I used to play a bunch of the songs off that soundtrack because I, I, I like the soundtrack. It's just used terribly in this film. It's terrible, you know. Like, really, it's in really odd places as well. But I don't mind it. It's another reason why it's bad, but I still enjoy it. I think one of the biggest sins, before we move on to Birds of Prey, because we should talk about that as well, I think one of the biggest sins about this movie is the fact that, guess how many boomerangs Captain Boomerang throws? One. Three! (laughs) Three! He throws three! And one of them is like a little drone boomerang, and then everyone gathers around his little Samsung. (laughs) 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 he mostly uses he mostly uses the boomerangs as like melee weapons just as like basic knives again right who's the actor who plays boomerangs a jai courtney yeah yeah all right he's great he's he's, he's he is good as boomerang and i i kind of warmed to his character more because i remember seeing terminator genesis i mean genesis and um (laughs) And, you know, he was in that film, and I thought that was a terrible film. And I blamed him. I thought it was all his fault. And then I This see... this character seems more to his strengths. It's, yeah, it's a perfect fit for him. And I thought he played the role really well, you know, I, spectacularly. And I, I, I loved just, it. I love the bit where, like, he's like, oh, I was just... I was just minding my own business, and then a big red streak comes and fucking grabs me. And they're like, you got caught robbing a bank. And he was like, I was not. Like, it's such a good bit. But, um, uh, I like the Flash cameo. I, I do like too. that. There was just quickly before we move on to Birds of Prey, like in that opening, um, it's not a montage, but like a sequence where we get to see all the characters. I did, I did like how they kind of established, you know, Gotham City, how these villains could be just roaming around and everything, how Batman appears. Well, you know, pick up. Yeah, that or, that is know. something I enjoy about this world like is the fact that it's 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 more established. Exactly. Because with Marvel, almost every character has to be introduced and like sort of inserted into this world. Whereas the way that DC have established theirs, at least with Batman in his pocket of the universe, is because he's been around for so long. You know, he's got all these characters that are just out there, mm-hmm. you know? And because they're all street level, like, you're not going to be thinking, oh, like with Marvel, you're not going to be like, oh, where's, you know, fucking Doctor... You can't just be like, oh, Doctor Doom is just here now and yeah. he's been here forever because it's like, oh... Why hasn't he been like trying to take over the world then? Because that's a Doctor Doom thing to do. Mm-hmm. But with Deadshot, you can believe you've not seen him because you know he's a hitman. He's a, he's a hitman. He's an assassin. You know, Same with a bunch of these DC characters. They're not big world conquering terrors. They're just mm-hmm. like your average fucking criminal. Yeah. This is my last comment, and then we'll move on to Birds of Prey. I love how Will Smith had he had the option of doing two films: this film, 
or Independence Day, the, the, the second one. Both really <laughs> bad, and he thought, you know what, I'll, I'll do Suicide Squad. And you know what, hats off to him. I would have done Suicide Squad over Independence Day too. you know? I just like those were his two options. It's really fun. I think, I think Suicide Squad was a better fit because it's it's a more interesting character and I hope at some point they bring him back in the future. Yeah. Because you, you have a bunch of these assassin hitmen that are just in this universe now, like Bloodspot, Deathstroke, mm. Deadshot. I think it would be interesting to have a movie where you just watch all these guys do a mission. Mm. It doesn't have to be a Suicide Squad. You can just do, like, you know, for, use any of the other superhero team names out there, like the Secret Seven, I'm pretty sure is one. Mm. Just... Call them the Secret Seven. Get four more. Mm-hmm. Bring Slipknot back. Maybe Slipknot has a brother. Yes, yes. I'd love to see Slipknot. Slipknot too. <laughs> oh, it'd be so good. Like the Black Anyway, so you want to talk about... Birds of Prey. Exactly. You want to talk about Birds of Prey. See, I've... I've put this... Obviously, I've put this high on my list. Yeah. Not too high. But I, I think I, I like this movie more than Suicide Squad purely because I think the characters are more consistent. Okay, I, I'll give you that. They are more consistent. However, I when we were watching it again, we were watching it at years, just like a wee film night. I think this was before we were watching Justice League, the Zack Snyder's one. Um, but I remember watching that film, looking forward to watching it because it had been on my list. And then while watching it, I just... I wasn't as hyped up. I was just what, felt like it was just an average film. Um, it was great to see Harley Quinn's character, or her character being developed... You know, showing how she doesn't need Joker anymore. And so they kind of fleshed that character out. But I also felt confused why the Birds of Prey were in it as well. Because they only teamed up at the end. And it's probably because I don't know much about, you know, the DC Comics and this group. But I was... Oh, don't worry. Harley Quinn isn't in the Birds of Prey. Well, this is the thing. (laughs) I I remember after we had watched it, I remember turning to you. So I was like, so is Harley Quinn in the Birds of Prey? I was like, no. I was like, so, wait a minute. Why Why was there Harley Quinn and the Birds of Prey in it? It just felt a bit odd. The, I, think, cause she's, I think she's an antagonist of the Birds of Prey a couple of times. She's an antagonist? But I also think, yeah, because oh. she, she was definitely the villain in the Birds of Prey TV show back in like the 2000s, mm-hmm. which only lasted for a season. But I the the why. main <laughs> the main Birds of Prey team is Batgirl, uh, Huntress, mm-hmm. and black canary Mm -hmm. which you technically get in this film because uh cassandra kane is batgirl oh yeah but she's (laughs) this is the thing right this is one of the annoying things about birds of prey um cassandra kane is like a trained assassin she's like one of the most deadly people on the planet because her her mother was lady shiva and her dad was a guy called david kane and they both trained her from birth to be an assassin. Mm-hmm. And she, I think they both ended up getting killed, whatever. But she had the code name um, Orphan, and then she had Black Bat, and then she became Batgirl. Mm-hmm. And I think the only reason why they brought Cassandra Kane in is because they were like, well, we technically need a Batgirl. I've written a pickpocket character, but fuck it. We'll just give her the name Cassandra Kane, even though that doesn't make any sense. And like, she's, she's like, not the first Batgirl. There's been loads of Batgirls. Like, I think the first Batgirl was... Got renamed uh, Flamebird to do with some Krypton connection. Mm-hmm. That's why Nightwing's called Nightwing. It's oh, a Krypton right. connection. Right, okay. Um, it's all convoluted and weird, and it keeps getting retconned. But 
this Batgirl, this character, is closer. I think there's a, there's a great video on, on YouTube where some guy broke down how Cassandra Kane should have been a character called Stephanie Brown, who in the comics was a character called Spoiler because her dad was called Clue Master. Clue Master. <laughs> so she would spoil all of his clues and ended up getting him arrested and then she ended up fighting crime. And I think I like this movie more because there's fun... Like, I don't like the fact that they changed Cassandra Kane's character, but I do like Black Canary and Huntress just talking. I like Huntress being, like, a little socially awkward. I think those characters... And I'm so glad she's getting a spin-off. I did hear about that, yeah, from you, of course. Uh, (laughs) I I think she'd... uh, I think I think because she's a good black canary, and mm. I hope she ends up on a Justice League team at some point. That's fair. Well, but I I also get why you don't like this movie I... because, especially the beginning, the story's all over the place. Yeah, I've I've written like Birds of Prey, and like my first bullet point is I enjoyed it, but sort of forgettable. <laughs> uh, like literally, because I remember watching it, feeling just left confused with how this all linked in, and it uh, was this also. After they, I didn't know if the, the Suicide, them not the Suicide Squad, but Suicide Squad was getting a sequel or they were trying to forget that ever happened. Um, and so they then decided, right, we're going to forget Suicide Squad because that was a terrible film. But everyone loved Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn. So we're going to continue with her story. See, as much as you say it wants to forget about the first Suicide Squad, I think this is the only movie that directly references Suicide yeah. Squad because it's got footage from the first one mm-hmm. with Ace Chemicals. It it references Captain Boomerang because there's that wanted poster where she's like, yeah. oh, I know that guy. Um, but I do think you're right in terms of it's more trying to forget the Joker yeah. or at least Jared Leto's Joker. Yeah. Because there was a deleted scene from this movie that has never been released. Oh. Um, people only know it exists because people were filming it as it was getting done where Joker... They're like in a weird suburban house. So I think originally this was going to be some kind of dream sequence or whatever. Yeah. Or like Harley imagining it because she's crazy. But I don't understand why they'd live in like a regular suburban house. However, from the behind the scenes stuff, it's like Joker and it's some guy done up as the Jared Leto Joker throwing stuff out of a window. Mm-hmm. But the way the window is opened, you can't see his face. So I don't think it was Jared Leto. I think it was a stand-in. Obviously. Obviously, he wasn't there. But then they, they cut that scene out. The only bit of that scene you see is when the door closes on her face. And I think they were like, we should just not show the Joker as much in this movie. Mm-hmm. And I think it's weird. You f- like it's, it's weird that the Joker would break up with Harley and then not inform anyone else in Gotham City. Mm-hmm. You know? That she still has this animate... Oh, I can't say the word. What's the word? This? I don't know what you're trying to say. Anonymity? Yeah, that's Have I said that right? You know what? Probably not, but we're going to go with it. <laughs> anon, anon, uh, Do you want to try and She's say no longer one? anonymous. There we go. <laughs> I love how you gave up. Like, no, no, just, I'll say something else. Yeah, you get what I mean. You get what I'm trying to say. Not really, but okay. Um, we'll just... Oh, you know, actually, here's the thing I hate about Birds of Prey. <laughs> the bit where... Cassandra Kane goes to pickpocket Black Canary, and then she says, one day you're going to pick the wrong pocket, cuz. And then yeah. two seconds later, she picks the wrong pocket. <laughs> like, it's such a forced, like, 
what are the chances? <laughs> Honestly, like I do have one strength of this film, and I I, I did mention it how it kind of does connect with the uh, Suicide Squad, but it does help her character, and then you do get to see that in the Suicide Squad. So we do, yeah, there is a clear progression yeah, which I so like. We do we we kept on talking about how there's no continuation of characters or the continuity in the films, but if you look at Harley Quinn's character. And if you watch Suicide Squad, Harley Quinn and the Birds of Prey, and then the Suicide Squad, her character, it's it's nicely done. And I she does go on a journey. I think that's yeah. one of the few things where it's like, oh, they've actually. But here's the thing, right? I think they should have had Joker in this movie. I think that we should have seen the breakup. Mm-hmm. And I think the reason why that wasn't in this one is because the breakup was going to be in Suicide Squad. I think originally she was going to get dumped by Joker in that film. And I think they try to keep it vague in this movie in case they ever release the Aya cut. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think they just kind of glossed over it here because they were like, well, if the Aya cut gets released, it can still be considered canon, which is probably why we never got like a big breakup or whatever. But it's also interesting because like, I think a big problem with this movie is the fact of how, like, because the beginning is all over the place, stuff like Huntress turns up, for example, and Harley's like, you hear a voiceover go, who's this broad, or whatever, and it's a girl on a bike, and she says, I don't know her name, don't know the grievance, but then later on, when you see Huntress again, she goes, hold up. Let me explain who this person is. And it's like, wait, so you do know who Huntress is. Yeah. But that so when's this narration supposed to take place? Is this your train of thought as we go? Or are you telling this from the point of view of you've already lived through the story? And if like it doesn't make any sense. It's breaking the fourth wall in a very complicated, messy kind of way. Yeah. And it's that's why I think it's sort of forgettable. Forgettable. <laughs> but you but, know, Sorry. I do like, I do like that the women look out for each other in this movie. I think it's kind of sweet. I like that Black Canary helps Harley when she's mm-hmm. getting taken by, although you never find out where she takes Harley Quinn. They drive off in the car and then like cuts the next day. So I don't know if Black Canary knows where Harley Quinn lives, whatever. I also like the little bit where Black Canary's fighting and her hair's getting all over the place and Harley Quinn's like, do you want a hair tie? <laughs> like you could tell it's written by a woman because a guy would never think of something like that yeah, <laughs> i think sense. it's the the film's got a bunch of cute stuff like that which is more consistent than suicide squad because suicide squad you have a scene where they're all working together then the next scene they're all bickering and they hate each other yeah. the next scene they all like each other again where in this the characters there's there's more consistency mm-hmm. and continuity there and um, one other thing i liked about this film it was nice to see you mcgregor yeah, nice to see Fantastic as Black Mask. I can't, I'll, I'll talk about this when we get to it later on in when, my list. Yeah. But he's fantastic as I Black Mask. I do like him. I thought he was great. Um, but yeah, overall, with the number nine spot, I would rather see Suicide Squad than Birds of Prey. I mean, fair enough. I mean, I've put Suicide Squad as my number nine. Mm-hmm. But I guess we'll, we'll find out. I think we'll we should just go on to number eight now. Number eight. Pause. Right, I'll, I'll count it down. I'll count it down. Okay, you can. Three. I was just about. To oh wait, I've actually, I've, I haven't lost. I've, I've lost my list. Where is it? Right, we're at number eight. <laughs> <laughs> number eight, right? I want three, two, one. Birds Wonder of prey. Woman. Oh no! <laughs> oh my god! You've put Wonder Woman this slow down. Right. This was the film 
where I was struggling to find. No, it's one of it was the film where I was like, right, this needs to go. Hold up, hold up. That means you've put Suicide Squad above Wonder Woman on your list. Yeah. Oh my fucking! I would never have guessed that (laughs) in my entire life. Right. But see, the thing it was one. I I enjoyed it. This is the one where I was struggling. You know how I messaged you before, where I was like, right, this I'm having trouble. You know, I'm really struggling with this list. This was one of the films where I was like, I don't know where to put it because it wasn't one that, you know, I'd rush back to see again. I did enjoy it, but I wouldn't watch it a second time or a third time. You know, it was I enjoyed the beginning part, the ending, hmm. where it's all, you know, CGI fighting. And I remember we were talking about how the majority of superhero films, they always end in a big CGI fight. And you could really see it in this one because you did before that. It was a really nice story about Diana, you know, understanding what war was, and you know, it was had a really, really nice message about World War One, and then you get to find out that Ares was one of the British, so uh, British guys in the I can't remember his name, but it was one of the British guys. He's one of the generals. One of the generals, yeah. And then it's like, oh, what, what a twist! And then it's just like a big CGI fight. Like I enjoyed it, but it was see, like, I think. Yeah. That CGI fight, see, I, I like that fight pure because I think the design of Ares is pretty good and I think they do some fun combat stuff. Mm-hmm. But that fight wasn't supposed to be in the film. Originally, it was going to be this point of, oh, maybe it is down to... Like, the whole point of the film, the kind of premise of the movie, is there isn't some force out there that controls our decisions. We control our decisions. We control our fate. And it's like, I love that line where Steve's like... It's not about what people deserve. It's about what you believe. And mm-hmm. I thought, oh, that's a really good kind of thesis of the movie. But then it abandons it altogether by ending in like a big fight. Yeah. Instead of Wonder Woman realizing, oh, people are flawed. I Because sh- I think originally they were going to be like, yeah. I'm done. I'm going to leave, which would tie into BVS. But I think somewhere on the line, they're like, no, end this in a fight and make her more optimistic. You mentioned that, I think, not in this episode, but when we were talking by ourselves, um, which technically we're doing right now. But anyway, um, <laughs> you, you told me that there was going to be a wee bit more of a conflict, that the, not you know a verbal conflict, where they were just going to discuss, have a big discussion about it all. And I thought that would have been cool to see. Um, cause you and you, you know, you get that a bit a where bit. he's, but then immediately they're just like, "Oh, let's do a big CGI fight." And I think it's such a fight. shame. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I think. Yeah, I'll talk about the strengths when we get onto it and yeah. life, put it on the list. Mm-hmm. But I do think that, like, the one, the Wonder Men, because they cut out that final scene, again, this leads into the whole cut DCU continuity, mm-hmm. because they cut out that post-credit scene, or maybe it was a final scene, I think, I don't know if it was a post-credit or if it was going to be the final scene of the movie, but the scene with all the Wonder Men at the pub with uh, Etta, I think is the name, mm-hmm. um, that scene was going to be a conclusion of these people's arcs because the PTSD guy yeah. was gonna he was he was gonna stop drinking alcohol, you know, which is kind of implied. Oh, he, he's no longer needing that to you know cope with mm-hmm. whatever his trauma was. But they, because they cut that out, there's no like arcs for any of these guys, which is a shame because they have quite a lot of personality. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're not based off anyone in the comics. I think the French guy is a Black Hawk. 
Oh, was going to be a Black Hawk and was going to be in the Spielberg Black Hawk movie, maybe. Oh, right. But then that all fell apart. Mm. Uh, The other two, I don't know. I don't know if they're based on anything. I don't think so. I think they're just invented for the film. I think, personally, it's got more strengths. I think Birds of Prey is the weaker film out of the two. Because uh, as much as I enjoy Birds of Prey, as much as I like the character interactions and I like the character consistency, the story is a little all over the place. Mm-hmm. And other than the great combat, where it's like John Wick with a baseball bat, yeah, I it is one of those films where th- throughout I'm thinking, why doesn't Batman turn up? Mm-hmm. Like it's in, it's set in Gotham. It's with a bunch of Batman characters. Do they? Say? There should be a reference, which is why I I prefer to think that this film takes place when Batman is off looking for Aquaman. I was just going to say, they don't ever reference why he's not there, but we just have to guess he's not there. They don't even reference why Joker's not there. There's no explanation why Joker isn't in Gotham at the time. Has he moved out of Gotham? Has he left? Yeah. You know? It's it's weird. It is weird. But I do, going back to Birds of Prey, I think the fight scenes are quite good. I think the fighting choreography, it makes her feel more of a threat. Yeah. Because she seems to be great at hand-to-hand combat, where it's like, don't know how she got that good, but the fact that she's that good makes me go, okay, I see why you'd want her on a team mm-hmm. of super criminals. Maybe not taking on Superman, but just a team of criminals in general. Um, I think because we're going to talk about Wonder Woman a bit later, mm-hmm. I think we should move on to the next one. Yeah, so I've just made a wee written note of what are the lists being so far. So we have... Josh, Josh Weasons, Justice League, we both got that. Wonder Woman 2, both got that. Number 9, you had Suicide Squad, I had Birds of Prey. Number 8, I had Birds of Prey. Uh, no, you had Birds of Prey, I had Wonder Woman. Now Which I'm, I'm so surprised about. I loved your reaction there. Right, number 7. Right, where's my list? I need to see my list. Right, okay, here we go. 3, 2, 1. Suicide Shazam. Squad. Whoa! Su- <laughs> what? Shazam! Yeah, oh my see God. this is the thing, right? No way. Re- rewatching it, I might put it above another film. Right. You know, this is confirmed that our list is so different. You have, <laughs> you have literally confirmed our list. Oh, there's literally, I don't think we're going to agree on anything now. You've, 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 you've oh, I'm actually shocked um, at that one. Okay. Yeah. See, I've put it lower down because there's, there's a bunch of other movies that I think I'd go back to it. However, I do think maybe it should be higher up on my list because rewatching yeah, it recently. do it. I, <laughs> change change it. it, change it now. I I think that that movie it's it's good. It's a good like f- I think it's a very fun throwback to like early two thousand superhero movies, mm-hmm. like Fantastic Four and Spider Man, because you have the villain and the hero get the powers at the same time. Mm-hmm. You know, they both go off in their own separate stories because they've got their own separate goals they want to try and do, and then they come into conflict with each other. And there's a nice message at the end. Like, I think all of that works. I also think that this movie is the best superhero movie in terms of what superhero comics are all about. Yeah. Which is the power fantasy, mm-hmm. you know? And this movie is a great power fantasy wish fulfillment film about superheroes because you have Billy Batson and Freddy doing the whole, oh, if I had superpowers, I'd, you know, uh, I'd try and see if I could fly. I'd try and shoot lasers out of my eyes. Um, if I could instantly become an adult when I was a kid, I'd go into a store and buy alcohol. Mm-hmm. You know, it does all that stuff. And then on the flip side of that, you have Dr. Savannah being like, well, if I had superpowers, 
I'd kill my abusive dad, you know? <laughs> like like <laughs> every I, kid. Exactly. But I think, like, the reason why I put it so far down on the list is because, like, there's weird things in the movie, like how all the bullies and bad people are, like, cartoonishly evil. Like, okay. The bullies hit a cripple kid with a car. They yeah. should be arrested. <laughs> you, yeah, you do have a point there. They like, do like, take it a bit too far. Like in the scene where in the in the car with his dad, his dad is like so over the top mean to the kid, but like over the top positive about the older son, mm-hmm. which makes it like it doesn't track for me. It's like that's too much. Like that's too over the top. Oh. I'm a dickhead father figure. Yeah. Um, I will agree with the stuff you've said so far. I'm, I'm saving my stuff for later. <laughs> is, I've, I've put it in a different spot. I, I also think it's weird because I think Zachary Levi is good as acting as like a teenager I in th- an adult's body. I think he's a great but cast. Yeah. I, I think he's a great cast as well, but I do think that he is more immature than the actual younger actor because I think the younger actor has made a conscious effort to act like an adult. And Zachary Levi, the older actor, has made a conscious decision to act more like a child, but they don't quite meet in the middle. Okay. Interesting Um, point there. Again, I'm saving all my stuff for later. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, I mean, I do do enjoy it. And I think the one I'm going to say next, I might swap these two, really. Oh, okay. Or at least they're both on the same level to me. Um, But I also think there's a bunch of stuff like... Why is Mr. Mind being teased? No one cares or knows who Mr. Mind is. Um, he's the little caterpillar at the end. Oh, yeah. Yeah, see, no one knows who he is. <laughs> I, mean, I kind of ignore that part because I, I thought I, I'm saving my stuff later because uh, we've got very different views on this film. <laughs> I, I, I also I like the scene with his mum. That's a nice scene. It's a, it's a really That's a great. Moment. It's a great yeah. scene. It's really dark as well if you mm. think about it like he gets abandoned by his mom i also but i do find that scene funny because his mom gives his kid a compass and says if you have this you'll always find your way and immediately gets lost yeah do you know <laughs> and he gets lost because of that compass he it's, drops the it's... compass goes to find it and then gets lost it's so like unironically funny but there's just like you know this part this film also has a destiny problem where the wizard trying to look for someone of a pure soul. Mm-hmm. Why didn't he find any of the other kids that Billy Batson lives with? Why didn't uh, yeah. he go to Superman when Superman was a kid? Is Superman not pure of heart? Well, Why didn't he go to Gal Gadot when she was a kid? Like, he's a, a wizard. Why didn't he pick any of the other... He's been around for, like, thousands of years. There's so, so many other characters that we've been introduced to where he could be like, oh, they're pure of heart. I should give them magic wizard powers. Um, I... I, I... I don't have an answer for that. Sorry. Uh, I didn't really think about that. It's, it's a destiny problem that turns up more in DC Comics because a lot of DC Comics have characters to do with like fate mm. being chosen by something, which, because they all exist in the same world, you're like, oh, well, why didn't anyone else get chosen? Like, for example, Green Lantern's Power Ring. Mm-hmm. Why doesn't that go to Batman or something like yeah, that? Yeah, so you, that's, um, that's their own problem. Um, also, why are the cartoonishly evil bullies on a Ferris wheel? At a kid's fun park. <laughs> because they're kids. They that makes no sense. They, they want to go on a Ferris wheel. When yeah, you but were they're there evil age... cartoon bully kids. <laughs> right, come on. When you were that age, you wanted to go on a Ferris wheel, didn't you? Yeah, but I'm they're, not see, a so so evil so bully. No, that, 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 
again, I'm saving up. Right. Well, oh, I'm so if shocked. you, yeah, because you want to talk about this later. I want to talk. About so that. yeah. So so you had. What did you put in this? I had, in this section again. I had Suicide Squad. Right. I can understand that, because but I don't understand Suicide Squad being above Wonder Woman. Again, I've gone for a different approach with this list and I've gone for the ones that I enjoy the most, the ones that I would have... You've gone for an an incorrect approach. That's what you've done. I think this is what makes our, you know, duo unique because you're the expert uh, in the Because I'm correct and you're a fool. You're you're right, sir. I think that's that's that's, why this dynamic works. Don't don't twist my words, sir. I'm just saying you're more... You you know more about the DC universe and the comics and everything more than me. I'm, I know Batman and I like Batman. Awesome. That's as, that's as much as my DC knowledge will go. Um, so I'm looking at these films as, will I watch them again? Why, why would I watch them again? Um, and I think I mentioned earlier when we were talking about Suicide Squad, yes, it's bad. And we've gone over that. And I, I did mention, because it's bad, it's funny to watch, and it's because of that I put it up higher because it's 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 funny. It's funny to watch a shit film, you know. See, it it's gotten to the point because I've seen it quite a few times. That it's gotten to the point where for me it's not even funny anymore. <laughs> it's, it's painful for you. It's also because I feel like I'm watching a movie through a keyhole. I think because there's so many things I got cut out of that movie and not seeing what a complete yeah. story is. So I don't know. When I'm critiquing it, when I'm thinking of it like, oh, what I don't like, I'm like, okay, do I dislike that because what has happened is an intentional decision that I just don't agree with? Or is it a studio that's fucked with it and there was a better version out there somewhere? Yeah. So that's why it's so down in the list for me because whenever I'm watching it, I'm like, is that scene a reshoot? Yeah. I can't get that kind of behind-the-scene context out of my head. So I'm just like, is this... What is this? What am I watching? Should we try and get David Ayer's cut released? Should we start getting that I, trending? You know what? I think they will release it at some point. Mm-hmm. I think it might take a while, but I think that has a better chance of getting released than any other. I don't think we'll see the Schumacher cut of Batman Forever, for example. <laughs> Do I, don't see, we'll, I don't think we'll see Josh Trank's cut of Fantastic Four. I don't really but want we, to. Uh, <laughs> I kind of do. The flying car was going to be in it. Oh, was it? All oh, right, we'll talk about this later. This <laughs> yeah. Anyway, anyway, I think we should move on to the next one because right, we're, we're going to start right. repeating ourselves. Right. So you had Shazam for seven, and I had Suicide Squad. Right. Number six. This 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 could be interesting. Number six. Can you say yours? Okay. We won't do a countdown. Let's, you say yours. Okay. One. Well, I mine is Wonder Woman. This is where right. I put Wonder Woman. You put Wonder Woman there. I, I'll understand that. Now, what have you put? Don't cry, please. Please. <laughs> Man of Steel. Oh my God! You know what? I'm not. I understand. I understand that. Because you, you did. I, I love that movie. Man of Steel. Call me a fucking Snyder fanboy if you want. Snyder but I, fanboy. I do like that movie. I'll talk about why I like it more later on. But the reason why I put Wonder Woman yeah, this you, point in the list mm-hmm. is just because I think like. It, I think it's a solid movie, and I also think it's one of the few... Not one of the few, because uh, there's already so few out there. Mm-hmm. But I think of all the female-led superhero movies, this... I mean, you'll always get people like uh, Geeks and Gamers, Nerd Rotic, I think is another one, um, The Critical Drinker, those types of white, dickhead, I-hate-women, I-hate-minorities groups out there 
who will always hate movies that show women in powerful positions, you know? Um, But I think this movie is one of the best examples of how you do a female empowerment superhero movie in a subtle way without being like, men bad, women good. We did get that a lot in the sequel. Uh, of women, Wonder Woman, where it was really on the nose that men are awful. Um, yeah, uh, and it also unintentionally says that women are awful as yeah, well. <laughs> you know that that film is. Oh, we won't. Go she into she that. raped Steve Trevor. I'm sorry, that man. <laughs> that I'm. I'm just gonna say it right. That man right. whose body she was with was unconscious. He couldn't consent. It didn't. He didn't turn into Steve Trevor. He was possessed by the spirit right. of Steve Trevor. I... I'm just gonna say. It just right, needs right. to be said, Seb. It needs to be out there. That's fine. However, you told me I couldn't delve into the reason why the wish thing looked like a dildo, but you can happily say that this man got <laughs> raped. Because so... I, I think it needs to be said. That dildo <laughs> thing, no one needs to know that, but people need to know that there's a lot of moral problems with the second Wonder Woman film, which aren't ex- present in Wonder Woman 1. I think the best scene in that movie is the No Man's Land scene. Yes. Because mm-hmm. in a, a worse director or a worse screenwriter would have someone in the trench go, there can't be a woman in no man's land. You know what I mean? (laughs) But in this movie, they just let the imagery play itself. Mm -hmm. It's a woman in no man's land. And she's there and she's inspiring the troops. She helps defeat the enemies, uh, the the Germans. She goes and stops, um, you know, saves that village. And then it's really tragic when that village gets gassed. Although I think it's weird that they used that scene in all of the promotional stuff of like all the posters were Wonder Woman stood in like a golden mist. Mm-hmm. And then when you watch the film, it's like, oh, the golden mist is poison killing like innocent people. Well, that's awkward. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I just I just think it's a, it's a fun, good, empowering movie that I think is very inspiring. I will agree with all the things you've said there. Like I said, it was that film that I needed to put somewhere. <laughs> that that was the film i'm sorry but it is i will agree everything about that film but it was just for me i needed to put it somewhere on that list it but i, I yeah and i also get that because it's not one of the movies in the dc universe that i'm dying to go back to yeah you know um, i'm more likely to watch the second one than i am this one but i did but that's probably because i've not seen the second one as much and i do but i do think wonder woman is a better film yeah you know that's very true. Better than the second one. But um, h- how are you feeling after hearing that I've put Man of Steel uh, sixth? Right. Here's the thing. I get it. <laughs> because like, I like that movie. I think I love... One of the things I love about the movie is the vibe, the tone, mm-hmm. which is hard to explain. It's not like a tangible thing. I can be like, oh, this is why it's good. But... What I do think is that that Superman, he in the in Man of Steel, he doesn't have a character arc. Mm-hmm. Like he starts off the movie, he's saving people, he's doing Superman stuff. <clears throat> he's saving people from the oil rig, he's saving that school, that bus full of children or whatever. Like he's doing Superman stuff. By the end of the movie, if anything, he's doing less Superman stuff because he's like dragging Zod's face through a building, <laughs> endangering civilians. Well, this is this is the thing about Man of Steel, and I, I did tell you that you know I know Batman, and that's pretty much it. But I did it was too dark for a happy uh, character, not a happy character, but you know 
you've seen him in other media and he was you know light-hearted you know symbol of hope and everything and because that that's like the common complaint as well is that henry cavill's version of superman is much more somber he's not the kind of beacon of hope and optimism that you see in the comics and stuff which i agree with mm -hmm. however i think the way that Zack snyder could have gotten around that is it because you never see superman interact with the public no you never see him really say you see him save a bunch of workers but you don't see him like talking to those firefighters or anything like that you don't see it like you see him a lot of the time when you see him save someone you're an observer of an event you're not like on down on the ground with mm-hmm. him you don't see him interact with no, the public is what absolutely. i'm saying i think if you'd had scenes of him interacting with the public and putting on the kind of clark kent superman persona of um i hope this doesn't put you a flying man statistically it's still the safest way yeah. to travel you know yeah. that type of stuff from the reeve era if you had that as like a like a public front but behind that there was this more you know, cynical, do humans deserve my help? Yeah. Can I, can the human race be trusted with knowing I exist? You can still have that, but if you have the public face of him interacting with people as a light-hearted figure, if anything, that becomes even more accurate to the comics. Yeah. There's a great story called Heroes in Crisis where Clark Kent, he's like, it's like a one-page scene because the comic's about superheroes going to therapy, essentially. And there's a great scene where Clark Kent is talking to this AI saying stuff like, you know, am I Clark Kent pretending to be perfect or am I Superman pretending to be flawed? And it's interesting because he's one of the characters that has two separate personas, well, him and Batman in a way. Mm -hmm. He has two separate personas that he puts out in the public that, and neither of which are really him. You know, he pretends to be bumbling Clark Kent at work he pretends to be super happy, heroic Superman to people he saves, but neither of them are the real character. And I think one of the biggest flaws of this movie is the fact that it focuses on the mythology of Superman. He's this messianic figure who's going to come here and save humanity. Mm-hmm. But you don't really get to look at the human side of him. No, it's... It's a difficult one to look at, I would admit. I mean, I suppose there is, like, the human side because he, he interacts with his mum and stuff, but a yeah. lot of those scenes are about him doubting whether or not he should become this hero. Yeah. You never really get to see how the public interact with that hero. Mm-hmm. But, with, I mean, I will agree with you there. You know, it could have been ha- done a lot better. Um, but I think one of the things that just kind of stick out the most in this film is the, the amount of destruction he does, especially at that end. Or at the ending, um, because it it kind of goes see, it goes on way too long, and at you know the fight just keeps on going and going. And I remember watching it for the first time, just going like, right, this is this is too much. Can we just simmer down, please? This is a man who's supposed to be saving people. He's killed probably, you know, loads of people because of this fight with this one guy. And it's just it, I and just, you I, yeah, and that's the, that's yeah. one of the big complaints of that movie, and that kind of. I think that started a conversation in superhero movies about, oh, we need to have actively... Like, Avengers did it beforehand, where you have Captain America be like, oh, we need to create a perimeter, yeah. and we need to get civilians out of that perimeter. But then in Age of Ultron, you have like a lot of... Like, the Hulk fight. We need to get him out of the city. Mm-hmm. 
can we buy this building? Are there civilians nearby? Like, there's constantly stuff like that, and you see it a lot in BVS as well, mm-hmm. where whenever there's a big fight scene, someone goes, don't worry, that's inhabited, you know, yeah, shit like that. Yeah, yeah. I think they learned In this mistake. film, mm-hmm. I think the biggest problem is the fact that when the... Because up until the Zod and Superman fight, the destruction's at Superman's fault. Superman's away on the other side of the planet doing with another thing. So I get all that destruction. But when Zod comes in, the fight should have been Zod is trying to destroy the city and kill all these people, and Superman is trying to stop him by saving these people and getting him away from the city. But then they go up into space, fight by a Wayne satellite, and then they crash right back down in Metropolis. That's an opportunity for Superman to be like, no, we need to go to the Sahara or some shit. I need to get you away from people. And it just... It, it's one of those things where when he gets to the end and Zod's about to execute that family. Yeah. And Superman's like, no, don't do it. You're like, oh, yeah, Superman's supposed to care. <laughs> Honestly, it's a wee bit careless what he's doing. You know, he's just so angry and he just really wants to defeat Zod. It's 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 a bit chaotic. Um, but, I mean, the reason, I mean, it's I did enjoy it uh, after, you know, the fifth time after the, you, kept, <laughs> you know, you kept asking me to watch it again. And it's only the reason why it's a wee bit higher up that, you know, it's not terrible. It's because after reading Doomsday Clock and kind of realising, you know, how important Superman is in the DC universe. And it's a great scene in Doomsday Clock where, you know, all about the multiverse and everything. And that's where I kind of realised, right, he's this big, important character, you know. There's so much to him. And when I watched the Man of Steel again, I was like, right, I can sort of see where Zack Snyder's going, you know. I can see why he's struggling to, like, you know, what should he be doing and everything. So it's only after watching it a couple of times where I've gone, you know what, this ain't bad. I can see what he was trying to do here. Um, but another thing, going back to, like, a little weakness, this was obviously the, the start of the DC Extended Universe, and I think this was just after the Dark Knight trilogy. And obviously Christopher Nolan decided to make those films quite dark and very gritty and real and everything. And that was a success for those stories. And I feel Zack Snyder and DC Extended or whoever in charge of that at that, you know, business, they saw those films and were like, right, so maybe since Marvel are doing the light hearted comedy stuff, maybe for us as DC we should we should do dark and gritty. And I think that's why you get Man of Steel where it's a lot of destruction, a lot of, you know, dark moments. Um, but I didn't think I it mean, worked with that character. Personally. I mean, look at the name. The only reason the movie was called Man of Steel was because the Dark Knight was called the yeah, Dark Knight, not yeah. Batman. It's the only reason. The Dark Knight, the reason it was called that is because you had the whole, throughout the movie, there's that theme of Harvey Dent is the White Knight, Batman is the opposite. And then at the end, it's like the kind of full stop on this whole story of he is the Dark Knight. That's the point of the name. Is there someone, is it, oh, we don't need a White Knight in the city. We need a Dark Knight, boom, title card. Mm-hmm. There's no real reason for this movie to be called Man of Steel. Yeah. No one calls him that. It's not like an important part of the story. Not that names have to be important, but it feels like, oh, you've called this movie Man of Steel because the Dark Knight was called the Dark Knight. Yeah. You know? And I think... It, it, it's also, it clashes, like, the rest of the movies are just called Aquaman, Shazam, yeah. Wonder Woman. So this one, it sort of sticks out a little bit. Mm-hmm. Even with its sequel, because it's not the Dark Knight versus the Man of Steel, it's Batman versus Superman, you yeah. know? So it's 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 weird. I, I'm not a big fan of the name, but I think, like, it's weird, because this movie, 
I think a bunch of interviews came out at the time where Zack Snyder was like, we're not sure if we're going to open this up into a big cinematic universe or if we will just have other DC characters be like supporting characters in Superman's story, which is kind of, I guess, what they ended up, what Zack Snyder was going to do with his big five-story plan. Mm -hmm. But this movie, it's like a weird... It's strange, because if you look at the history of the DC Cinematic Universe, of their attempts to make it, it was going to start with Green Lantern. Yeah, with Ryan Reynolds. Yeah, and there was going to be a Flash movie, and at the end of that Flash movie, Hal Jordan, Ryan Reynolds, uh, Green Lantern, was going to turn up. And it was, and that was only done because Marvel had started doing it with their characters. Mm-hmm. Um, they'd announced we're going to have all these characters cross over. Iron Man turned up in The Incredible Hulk. And when you look at like cancelled DC projects, you see a change in attitude. The Flash movie, for example, you look at, oh, there was a movie in 2004, got cancelled because of uh, Justice League. And then Justice League got cancelled, so they went back to a Flash movie. And then Iron Man and all that stuff comes out, and it's like, oh, we're going to do a crossover with Green Lantern all of a sudden. Mm -hmm. It's very reactionary. And I think Man of Steel's another link in that reactionary chain of, oh, because the Dark Knight is gritty and because Marvel are doing a cinematic universe, we should do a gritty cinematic universe. Absolutely. And you can do that with Superman. Superman's been in dark Mm storylines. But the the thing you need is that optimism. Mm Mm-hmm. And maybe he doesn't have optimism himself, but he needs to give optimism to other people. Absolutely. He needs to be that symbol. And you don't get a scene in this movie of him being a symbol. You get, like, Jenny at the end being like, oh, he saved us. But how does she know that? She didn't see him blow up the spaceship. She just saw... Him destroying and she didn't yeah. even blow up the spaceship. It was fucking Lois Lane and yeah. Professor Emile Hamilton. Like, what? Superman wasn't involved in destroying... I mean, she just, he destroyed the thing on the other side of the planet, but she doesn't know that. Mm-hmm. It's just... It's weird. So I get why you've put it where you have. We should move on. <laughs> we should move on. Um, I will admit now for the next five, this is the one where I was struggling the most. I was really struggling with it. Um, so we're on to number five now, aren't we? We're on to number five now. Um, I'll go first and say my fifth one. Don't get angry. Batman versus Superman. Oh, I've put Aquaman. Oh, really? Oh, wow. I've put Aquaman number five. Okay, interesting. Which one do you want to talk about first? Uh, I'll let you talk about... You talk about why you don't like Batman versus Superman, and then I can talk about why I do like it later on. Yeah, okay, I'll do that. But first, let me tell you a wee story about the first time I saw Batman versus Superman. I think you know this story. Here we go. I I think we've talked about this before, but go ahead. It's it's great. So, at first when I saw, you know, the trailer come out for this film, I was like, "Mm, not too sure if I want to see it. I I wasn't rushing to the cinema to see it. Uh, So it was in the cinema for a wee while. Um, But I only went to the cinema because of an awkward situation with a girl I was chatting to. Uh, we had we'd never met we'd be, we'd be chatting for a while um, and she suggested oh let's meet up for the first time you know maybe go for a coffee or something I was like yeah sh- sure and I remember the night, that night I was getting all stressed because you know I didn't know what to do um, and I was having second thoughts about meeting her uh, so I panicked and said no I can't meet you today I'm so sorry so and instead 
instead of meeting this girl who I'd been chatting to for quite a while, I went to see Batman vs Superman with my mum. I see. I I love that story because I mean you've you've watered it down a little bit. I, I, I won't I won't say how you've watered it down, but you've watered it down a little bit. I think for for good reasons, Thomas. <laughs> for, for good reasons. But I just I love that story because you could have gone on a date with a girl and instead you went to go see a superhero movie with your mum. Not even your friends, you went with your mum. And then you fucking you know, however many years later, five years later, you rank it five on your list. <laughs> You know what's really annoying is it's a film that I didn't even really want to see. It was just I wanted to do something else to distract me from my bad decision. <laughs> you know, I've I've had like an interest in history with that film because when I first watched it, I liked it. Mm-hmm. Second time I watched it because I saw it twice in theaters. The second time when I saw it in theaters, I was like, oh, actually, I, I think this movie's kind of bad. And then I saw the ultimate edition, and I was like, there we go. That's it. That's <laughs> there the we go. For me. Because I think the ultimate edition, the added scenes and stuff, it it makes that feel like a complete picture. Mm-hmm. Um, but the unextended version, maybe not. You know, yeah. like it, it. There are some obvious flaws in that film. Yeah, but like, like I said, with this top five, I was struggling with it. Like I, first time I saw it, I thought, "What the hell have I just seen?" I thought the first time I saw it, I thought it was a mess. Um, I just, I was so confused. I didn't like, uh, is it Jesse Eisenberg who played that? Yeah, yeah. I didn't, I didn't like his portrayal of Lex Luthor. Um, you know, I thought it was all over the place with his plan of like how to try and get the two to fight. And the film called Batman vs. Superman, they only fight for about five, six minutes. It's a cool fight scene, I'll give them that. But it only comes at like the very end. Um, yeah, they, they, I, I think they should have just called it World's Finest. Yes, just something different and not so much on the nose of like, this is Batman versus Superman. Um, so the first time I saw it, didn't really like it. And then I spoke with you and you were going on a wee rant about why it's amazing. It's like, right, Thomas, watch it again. Okay, just just shut up. Um, and this was also after I had read uh, Frank Miller's Dark Knight Returns. Yeah. And I thought that was a great comic. Uh, and so... Reading that and then watching this... Spicy take there, Seb. <laughs> Super spicy. One uh, of the best DC comics ever. It's pretty good. <laughs> no, it, it is very good. I really enjoyed that comic. But so going into seeing Batman versus Superman for a second time, knowing the source material, um, I, I, I warmed to it a wee bit more. Um, because I could, again, see what Zack Snyder was doing with Batman. And I, after seeing it a second time... I was warming to Ben Affleck's version of Batman because it was very similar to that comic, and I really liked that. And also that fight scene when he's trying to save Martha, eh, fantastic! It's the best Batman fight scene it's ever. So put the film. good. So it's basically the Arkham Knight games fighting style. It's, it's like so it's like watching good. a cutscene from like Arkham. It's, it's so good. It's, I love it. Um, but the one. See, go ahead. As much as I like that scene, it also has part of like one of the problems I have with that film, mm-hmm. whereas. The, this Batman, he is aggressive and he is angry and he is like, if anything, he's more of like a killer, I suppose. Mm-hmm. However, the movie doesn't do a good enough job of explaining why he's at this point. And a lot of the time when people talk about, oh, well, Ben Affleck's Batman kills, but other people's Batman kills as well, like Michael Keaton Batman, he mm-hmm. kills people. But the reason why it's a bigger problem with this movie is because the Christopher Nolan movies had such a focus, emphasis on 
Batman's no kill rule. Mm-hmm. And yeah, Batman kills in that film as well. You know, he kills in the trilogy. Yeah. But they consciously make an effort to be like Batman doesn't use guns and he doesn't kill. Mm-hmm. So the general public, that's their perception of Batman. Mm-hmm. You know? Absolutely. So when average moviegoers go into this movie after seeing three movies of Batman saying he doesn't kill people, and then this movie, he's using machine guns, he's crashing into mm-hmm. people. People go, what the fuck? This isn't Batman. Mm-hmm. Like, people aren't going to go, oh, this is like a, the Dark Knight Batman or whatever. People are going to go, this isn't the Batman that I'm familiar with but yeah. the movies that I've seen. So I think this movie should have done a better job of explaining, instead of just, you know, one quick shot of a Robin costume in a glass mm-hmm. display case, there should have been more explanation, you Absolutely. know? There should have been a conversation where Alfred says, what's happening? Like, sure, he has that bit where he goes, oh, you're branding people, new rules. But he doesn't say, hey, why are you killing people now? Yeah, it should have been a wee bit more established. And I was one of those people who went in and went, this is not the Batman I know. And, you know, it's one of the reasons I was really confused by it. But then, second time round, I understood it more. And again, third time round, when we were watching all of them uh, before Justice League, Zack Snyder's one, I'd read Doomsday Clock and understood Superman. And so again, I... I understood it a wee bit more, so that's why it's further up. Even though the first time I saw it, I was like, "This is dreadful." After I've seen it a couple of times more, I'm, I've, I've warmed. Yeah, to it. I think it, it is one of those it. movies where if you watch it a few more times, you sort of see the kind of it's. It's one of those movies where you've got to look like, for example, Lex Luthor. You can't be like, "Oh, it's not Lex Luthor from the comics." You've got to be like, "Right, does this version of the character work?" for what Zack Snyder is trying to say. Mm-hmm. And I think it does. You know, sure, he can't become president like he is in the comics. Yeah. But the idea was that this guy was going to be a kind of crazy harbinger of these cosmic fourth world aliens like Darkseid and Steppenwolf. And that was going to be explored in his, his sequel. Mm-hmm. So I kind of get what he was going for with this Lex Luthor. However, again, it's one of those things where be- he, Zack Snyder thinks in like, oh, if you give me 10 movies, you will get a complete story. Mm-hmm. But until I finish all 10 of those movies, you will get little sections at a time and none of it will make any sense. Like the flash scene. Yeah. That was one of the th- scenes where I was like, what is happening? See, when the flash turns up, it's like, am I too soon? That's when I was like, this is a terrible film. First time I saw it. Cause I just... What also doesn't work with that scene is the fact that, you know, Zack Snyder and all of Zack Snyder's cultists always say, that oh but Superman just gets possessed by like gets controlled by Darkseid Dark, like Superman isn't evil Darkseid just takes control of him and by the end of this five film arc yeah. we'll finally get Superman which is like no you should have Superman when you bring Superman into the story mm-hmm. you know it shouldn't take five films to get him like how he is in the comics but whatever mm-hmm. what doesn't work in the Flash scene is the fact that Flash says oh you were always right about him fear yeah. him fear him which makes it seem like oh it isn't Darkseid this Superman's just a dick. Yeah. Like, I, I think another reason why I, the first time I saw it, I was a wee bit confused with it all, is it just, it, it, there's so many, I left the cinema with so many questions, you know? And I think if we got Zack Snyder's Justice League after this one, I would have been, I would have looked back at that film and gone, oh, that makes much more sense now, you know? Another Since, reason why they shouldn't have fucked up Justice League. Honestly, it, it would have been so much better if they released Zack Snyder's vision and I would have gone, 
oh, that makes so much sense now. I see why he was doing that. But again, with that long break and that long, oh, we're, we don't know what we're doing. I did have a negative view in that film because I was like, well, they didn't answer anything. It was so confusing. Um, I'm going to quickly go over why I, I've i put Aquaman where I've put yeah, it. Yeah, go ahead. But then we can talk about this more when we get like further up the list. Absolutely. Because I've made quite a lot of notes for Aquaman that I don't think I needed to really make. But um, I go. think like the reason why it's not higher... Because I think this movie is really fun. Mm-hmm. I think it's it feels... One, it looks gorgeous. Oh, it's amazing to watch on a great screen. It's so it's, good. The aspect ratio fills the whole screen as well, so it feels like a really bit from like all the IMAX shots, or whatever. There's some mm. shots where it goes back to the kind of cinematic aspect ratio, but when it fills the whole screen, it feels really big, especially when you're underwater. I think the underwater effects are pretty good. You know, oh, yeah. like it's especially because it was like new technology that they had to invent for this movie. I think for the most part, it works. But I think, like, it's a fun story, but it's weird to view this movie as part of the universe. I think this movie is part of the reason why Justice League got changed so much. Because when you look at Zack Snyder's Justice League, the Atlantis presented in that film doesn't line up with this one. That was In Zack Snyder's, they talk in, like, dolphin language, where in this, they can just talk underwater. And I think a lot of it was when Justice League was getting filmed or written or whenever it was, and James Wan was going into production for his movie, he was like, we can't have them talk in dolphin language. They're just going to talk regular. It's going to be easier. Um, I also want my Atlantean soldiers to have more tech, you know? Because you have that great contrast of old Atlantis, looks like how people imagine Atlantis to look with the ruins and shit. But then you have new Atlantis, which is like all space age stuff. Mm -hmm. That's all really fun. But because you've got these Power Ranger space age Atlanteans, it looks weird when you have like the classic Atlanteans from Justice League. Yeah. It doesn't, that, there's a disconnect there, which is probably why all the Atlantis stuff got cut from Justice League. Because mm-hmm, it um, didn't really work. But, I mean, it's just, it's a fun movie. I think of all the DC movies, I think this is one of the more stronger ones. Uh-huh. It's just another example of how this continuity is a little all over the place. Um, but we can talk about it more when we get to where it is on your list. Yeah. So I, I I think we should we should move on. Right. Because we are going to get to the point where we're repeating ourselves. <laughs> yeah, like, right. So this part, number four, I've, literally as we've been talking, I've, I've been mentally trying to change it now because I'm, the, the top four was so hard for me. I was really struggling. Do you want to say yours first? Um, okay. Uh, are we going to count down or do you just want me to say it? You say it. <laughs> right, okay. So my number four is Man of Steel. Of, of course, of course. <laughs> Why was I questioning what you were going to put, you know? Um, but no, that's a fair enough place. I understand why you put that there, because you're a massive Zack Snyder <laughs> fanboy. For me, um, and I'm going to go... I've, right, I've locked it in. Number four is... Um, have I locked it? Yes, I'm going to lock it in. Aquaman. <laughs> Aquaman. Oh, this is the worst drum roll. Aquaman. Uh, Aquaman, number four. Aquaman, your number four. Well, this is good because I was just going to go on a big tirade about why I like Aquaman, mm. which would have made pointless because, well, you want to go on your tirade about why you like Aquaman. So you go first. Well, again, I think we're going to have very similar thoughts. But again, I thought it was great. I thought it was a really good film. 
um, visually amazing. It was a great fun film, you know, had great action, um, great stories. Uh, I, overall, I really enjoyed it, you know. I'd happily watch it numerous times, you know. It's one of those movies that when you watch, it's just, it's like a fun, adventure romp. Yeah. You know? And you know... It's, it's a little cheesy, a little campy, but in like a good way. And mm-hmm. there's very few like flaws with it. I, I think one of the big flaws is the fact of like, I don't think Black Manta was really done justice in this film. Yeah, I liked the... But I, I don't... I don't really criticize it for that because I know he's going to be back in the sequel. Like yeah. he's going to be one of the big bads in in Aquaman two, mm-hmm. which I'm excited for, and I'm just glad I got to see a live action Black Manta. Like that's how easy it is to please me. Put a character in a comic accurate suit and make him do a cool fight scene. Yeah, like that bit where Aquaman he has like the the two concrete balls by a chain, and he throws it at Black Manta, and it swings round and hits him in the face. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. It's such a... It, it's a beautiful film. It's one of the best-looking films in the DC Universe, I Absolutely. think. Absolutely. I also love how, in the comics, Aquaman's kind of this cheesy superhero who can speak to... Well, he's not. That's the thing. Well, originally, to my mind, he was very cheesy. And then you see this film, and it's like, oh, my God. I actually like him. I, I, I see, want, I want in, to be friends in the with comics... Him. Kind of since the 90s, they've been trying to reinvent, doing, like, all kinds of stuff with Aquaman to make him, like you know, kind of cooler. I think the new 52 is like one of the more successful ones where he's kind of just like a cool, charismatic, like whatever guy. But the reason why people think Aquaman's lame is because of shows like Robot Chicken and Family Guy that just kept being like, oh, all he can do is talk to fish. Where it's like, no, he's basically Superman without the flight and the laser eyes. Mm -hmm. Like, he's super strong. He's a great hand-to-hand fighter, which is why all the trident combat is gorgeous. Oh, it's so good. It's so that. good. But I also think that, like, it's the the Mira and Arthur romance is weird. Uh, because the only thing that makes me go, oh, they'd hook up, is that they're both attractive. Yeah. But they kind of act more like brother and sister throughout the film. You know, like, like I, I siblings just, yeah. who kind of annoy each other. Mm-hmm. I can get that. I also think because it's such high quality, I think some of the sets, like the movie sets, look like movie sets. Mm-hmm. You, can, you know? They took their time with you, this one. Like it, the, but like, no, I mean like, if you, for example, you know when he goes into that waterfall? Oh, right, right. It yeah. feels like you're on a movie set. Mm-hmm. It doesn't feel like a real place. It feels like, oh, this has been made for this because it feels dead, like claustrophobic. Mm-hmm. Like the walls are... Like, like it's supposed to be in a big open space, but you feel like there are walls there. Like, it doesn't feel... Right, I get what you mean. ...real. Now. Yeah. You know? Um, if anything, some of the underwater stuff feels more real, weirdly. Mm-hmm. Um, but other than that, I think it's just a solid movie. I think... You can see why this movie made a billion dollars at the box office. Oh, yeah. I loved how we also got our... Was this our first proper comic-accurate suit? Like, it was... Practically yeah, perfect. yeah, it's better than what Smallville did. I'll yeah. tell you that much. I've seen the photos <laughs> of those. Oh my days! Let's not go into that. It's it's perfect. It's you know, what's even more fun is that the Ocean Master suit is also oh, perfect. It's so good. But the look Ocean Master in the comics looks more like Jason Momoa, and Jason <laughs> Momoa looks more like um the guy playing Arm, 
So it's like they've swapped them, which I kind of find fun, you know? Mm. Like, I've, I have noticed that one criticism about this film that's been going, you know, flying through Twitter and everything, is it's very similar... Yeah, it's very similar to Black Panther in a way. They're oh, similar. It's 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 Black Panther in reverse. Yeah. You know, because it's it is the whole an outsider comes to take over this kingdom. And I think the reason why the comparison was being drawn so much with this film is because it came out the same year as Black Panther. Oh, did it? Yeah, twenty eighteen. Oh. That's probably um, but I mean I so, don't, I don't think it's a bad thing. No, because it's still a good story. It's still a good story. You know? It works really well. And it's not the... It, I mean, it is kind of the same beats because they have a fight, Arthur loses, mm-hmm. and they fight again at the end. Um, that final fight, by the way, gorgeous. It's, it's... I want that trident. <laughs> <laughs> there's there's moments when I watch that film where I just want to pause it and just admire the shot because it's, it's, it's fantastic. some great stuff. Um, so enough uh, kissing Aquaman's ass. Um, you know, we need to... We need to move on. Yeah, well, I'll I'll quickly before because this is I'll talk about why I like Man of Steel. Oh yeah. Um, before I move on to our I've, top, I've... are we on to our top four now? Yeah, top three. This is yeah. This is our fourth. Because this is number four, so now we're on to number three, right? I forgot. What did you say for number four, Man of Steel? Yeah. Right. I generally forgot about that. I thought we were just having fun with Aquaman. Because <laughs> <laughs> you ahead. put Aquaman as your number four, didn't you? That's why. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, Man of Steel. With Man, of, I think I've, Man of Steel. I like it because I, I, I know like, like a lot of people are like oh whatever too much destruction. I just like it because, again, I like the feeling of that movie. Mm-hmm. I love the look of Smallville. I like when he goes um, road tripping. Mm-hmm. I think the casting is fantastic. Henry Cavill is great as Superman. I'll give you that. The cinematography is amazing with all the flying, the way they use the powers, gorgeous. I'll give you that. You know, it really leans into the mythology. The opening scene with Krypton is fantastic. Mm -hmm. There's some really good stuff here. I think if that final fight had been more focused on Superman saving people, then, hey, let's do 9-11 12 times. Oh, my God. (laughs) I think people's opinions of that movie would be very different. I also think if you showed Superman interacting with the public... And putting on the Superman persona, people would be a lot more favorable to this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's just my two cents. I just I want to get that out there before I move on to the the top three. Top three. No, that's fair. Fair play for Man of Steel. You know, we'll move on to the top three. And I messaged I, you. I, I I remember messaging you just before the call, going like, "Look, the top three I've been struggling with. Again, it's it's very hard. We we must have the same top three. It'd be really annoying if we don't... Well, no, because I haven't said Shazam yet. Oh, yeah, wait. Oh, no, we did talk about Batman v Superman, didn't we? Yeah. Did we? Yeah, I... So, just to yeah. run through the list, we had just Josh Whedon's Justice League, number 11. Wonder Woman 2, number 10. Number 9, you had Suicide Squad, I had Birds of Prey. Number 8, I had Birds of Prey. Uh, no, I one, had Birds of Prey. You had Birds of Prey. <laughs> I had Wonder Woman. Number seven, you had Shazam. I had Suicide Squad. Number six, you had Wonder Woman. I had Man of Steel. Number five, you had Aquaman. I had Batman vs. Superman. Number four, you had Man of Steel and I had Aquaman. 
I thought our list would be more in line than this. Fucking oh, hell. Right. Right, go on then. What's um, your number uh, three? Uh, right. Right, number three is Shazam. Right, okay, thank God. I thought <laughs> you were going to put that as your number one for a second there. No, that's that's my number number three. What's yours? My number three is Batman versus Superman. Right, I think... Right, I think our top two might be similar here. This is good. Right. I think... So, Batman versus Superman. Off you go, Thomas. I'm listening. Right. Here's the thing, right? I think this movie, if you watch the extended version, is smarter than people give it credit for. Mm-hmm. It's not as smart as a lot of people out there say it is, because you see a bunch of these Snyder cultists being like, oh, it's a really deep, dramatic movie. It's like a modern masterpiece. It's not that deep. Mm-hmm. It's, but it, it's still... People thought about this because I think Ben Affleck's Batman is an intentional inversion of Christian Bale's Batman. Because mm-hmm. if you look at Christian Bale's Batman, he saves his city. You know, he, he eradicates organized crime in Gotham, and Gotham becomes a much more better place because of Batman. He also passes on the mantle to a Robin. Yeah. He gets to retire with Selena Kyle. Mm-hmm. And he retires kind of young, really. He's only been Batman for like 12 years, more or less. Whereas Ben Affleck's Batman, almost every one of those points is different for him. He never saved his city. His city's still riddled with crime, you know? What's worse is no one cares. Throughout the movie, you have like Perry White making jokes about, oh, careful they don't steal your lunch money over there, Clark. Like, crime wave in Gotham and other breaking news, water, wet, like all that stuff. Yeah. No one cares that Gotham's a shithole. Because everyone's just like, oh, Gotham's a shithole. Who cares? You know? Mm-hmm. It's just the reputation. And Batman hasn't saved it. Unlike Christian Bale's Batman, who got to. This Batman never got to pass his mantle down because his Robin got killed. That's Zack Snyder said that in a later film, it was going to be really revealed that Ben Affleck's Batman had been married to Selina Kyle, who had then left him and he was divorced. We so didn't get to settle down with um, Catwoman. Um, and also, uh, this Batman, the op- what's his opening scene? It's him monologuing about, you know, falling into the cave mm-hmm. when his parents got killed. And he has that great line where he's in the cave, he has the circular light, the bats swarm him, he gets lifted up to the light, and he says, in the dream, they carried me towards the light. A beautiful lie. What happens in The Dark Knight Rises? He climbs out of the pit because bats come out and remind him what he's afraid of. Yeah. The bats carry him towards the light in that movie and he saves the city because of it. This Batman never got the opportunity. Metaphorically, this Batman is still in that pit. So I think this is like an... It's it's intentional. The imagery is the same. When Bruce Wayne's in the little cave and he looks up, it's that same imagery that was used in Batman Begins and The Dark Knight Rises, this version is intentionally supposed to be opposite to that. I just think they needed that extra step where you have Batman and Bru- and Alfred talk about the fact that Robin got killed. Because, mm-hmm. yeah, a Robin died in that universe, but no one talks about it. It's like a weird, like, elephant in the room, you know? Yeah. Alfred's not like... When Bruce Wayne starts branding people and killing people, he's not like, do you think Dick Grayson would be happy with this? He's just like, oh, new rules? You should get laid, Master... Like, you know, it's yeah. all that stuff. I think that's the biggest problem with this version of Batman, is that our reasons why he is 
the way he is, but the movie never really discusses those reasons. Mm -hmm. And you get a lot of people going, well, people just need to think about it more. It's like, yeah, maybe they do, but the average moviegoer just goes to see a movie for a good time, Mm -hmm. especially a movie on this scale. And all you needed is just one conversation where Alfred explains, like Alfred and Bruce talk about the fact that Robin got killed. Yeah. But they didn't do it. And I have no idea why. There's a lot of stuff that you've told me that, that there, his original vision, for example, him and uh, Catwoman. I really like that. But it's it's not in the film. It's annoying because there's so many films that we've talked about and you've told me what the original idea was but wasn't in the film. I'm like happy that that was going to happen but then also a bit annoyed that it didn't happen. So it's like... Why? Why does this happen? I think you could have solved most people's problems with this movie if before Batman v Superman you'd released a movie called, you call it like Death in the Family or something like that. Yeah. And you just do uh, the Bat family, have Barbara Gordon there because Batgirl should exist by now. Like, come on. Yeah. It's been 20 years, you know. But I think if you had Batman deal with the death of Robin in a movie before this you could have the end of that movie be the Metropolis attack and then you lead into BVS and then the general audience is like, oh, I get why this version of Batman is so aggressive and angry because I've seen a movie that explained why Batman was aggressive and angry. Yeah, You need those stepping stones and the biggest failing of this universe is them not building in the necessary stepping stones. It, yeah, that's a very fair point. I'll, I'll, anyway, I'll... so why, tell me why you like Shazam. Because I'll just go on about BVS for ages. That's going to be like an entire episode right there if you just keep talking <laughs> about it. So yeah, so where did you put it? You put it seventh. I was genuinely surprised at that. I really enjoyed Shazam. I thought it was a really good film. I think it was because I really warmed to the casting, like Zachary Levi. I watched a TV show with my family called Chuck, and I loved it. And he was in it. He was the main character. And I've always loved Zachary Levi. Uh, so when I heard that he was going to be Shazam, I thought, this is amazing. Great to see him back, you know, in these big films. And I generally thought he never... What are talking it. about? He was, he was a key player in Thor The Dark World. Oh, yeah! How did I forget? <laughs> Shit! Oh, my God! Oh, yeah, you got, they recast the guy from Once Upon a Time with Zachary did. Levi. Oh, no! And he's in, like, three scenes. <laughs> I still remember watching Thor 2 and I was like, oh, Zachary Levi. It's Zachary Levi in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But, yeah. And then they very quickly killed him off in Ragnarok. That's the one reason why I hate Ragnarok. Anyway. Um, so, yeah. But no, was... I, do, I, I get what you're saying because he is, he is very good in that role. Yeah, I really um, like it. But there was another reason why I liked the film was, you know, you, have you seen the film Big with Tom Hanks? Yes, I've seen the film yeah. Big with Tom Hanks. Yeah, this is like a, a, a fun throwback to that type yeah. of thing. Especially with like the little piano scene. Oh, I love that reference. I generally had the biggest... So it's very good. I had a massive smile when I saw that. I was like, nice, you did it. That's all I needed. You know what's fun about this unit, this film as well is the fact that it takes advantage of it being a comic book universe in terms of like the kids talking about superheroes exist you yeah, know absolutely like freddy is a big superhero fan you know he likes aquaman he likes batman superman all that stuff he's very so much, when the... sorry he's very much like you <laughs> thank you thank <laughs> you i also need crutches to walk 
<laughs> yeah. Um, I don't. I don't. Um, no, he does. He does, listeners. He needs <laughs> He is basically it, that character. It's like... Um, it's also... How mean is it that the fucking... The, I still... The bullies hit a cripple guy with their truck and the police didn't get involved. I know. Like, that is crazy. It is a bit odd. It's... Um, Oh my I think one of the reasons why I put Shazam so low on the list, though, is probably because it's, again, a lot of these movies, you see the studio interference in terms of Henry Cavill doesn't appear as Superman. Yeah, that was an annoying... Superman one. appears, but you don't see his face. And, like, little things like, you know the DC fanfare where you have all the characters and stuff at the start? Yeah. That isn't in this movie. Is it not? Are you sure? No, I didn't realise either, but do you want to know why it's not in this movie? Is it because people wanted to get a Christmas bonus? No, it's because the director forgot to put it in, and there was no one at the studio who noticed. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> the studio didn't pull him up and say, hey, you need to put the DC logo in there. Do you know why? Because no one at Warner Brothers gives a fuck. <laughs> That's one of the annoying things about this film. You know, like Superman and Shazam, I've had loads of teams up in the com- team ups in the comics because Shazam originally was kind of a knockoff Superman. Yeah. Like when he was published in the comics back in like nineteen forty. Mm. So it's like seeing these two characters team up is fun because it's a knockoff and an original interacting with each other. Mm. Um, but yeah, they uh, because of studio politics or whatever, there's no Superman in this film. And that's not the only reason, because it's a good film without that. Yeah. But it's one it's it's the same issues I have with Birds of Prey. There's like this there's an elephant in the room that never gets addressed. And I'm sick of that happening in these D C movies. You know? I, yeah, I can understand that. But it feels like they're loosely connected and they're not all tied in. And I think it's great to keep them all individually have their own artistic style, mm-hmm. but you need to at least explain where the big guns are. You Absolutely. know, yeah. it's one of the reasons I'm looking forward to Flash. We might get some clarity in where the fuck Batman's been. Yeah, I mean, the and only... hopefully Henry Cavill Superman as well. Exactly. Another reason why I'm looking forward to that film, Flash. We saw them film it. Oh yeah, we did. I forgot we went to Glasgow and saw yeah, that was great. A Ben Affleck stunt double. It was awesome. Drive a bat bike. I loved how everyone there thought it was the Batman film with Robert Pattinson, and only like a yeah, because everyone's there like, oh, they film it. To be fair, they also filmed in Glasgow for Robert Pattinson's Batman. They did, mm. and they're gonna film in Glasgow for Batgirl. Glasgow, congratulations! You are now Gotham. It, it is Goth- <laughs> uh, Gotham has become Glasgow. It's fantastic. Right, right. I think we should move on because right. I think the, the we've talked about these films before. Uh huh. These oh. last two. Oh, I'm a bit scared. <laughs> I'm I'm very curious to see what you've put first. Oh right? uh, no! I think we should count it down. Oh no! I feel you're gonna be annoyed. Oh. Oh, I am now. I know what you've done. Right. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Hang on. Let me have a wee think. Because again, I told you the top three were really hard. <sighs> what is the best DCEU movie? The, That's the question here. The best DCEU movie is, in my mind... Joker Zach's... with Joaquin Fine. Oh, my God! 
Surprise, top of the list. Oh my god, don't do that. <laughs> the fact that we had like a double check going like, oh, we, we do have all 11 films, right? I was like, yeah, yeah. And you know what? I did actually think of Joker. But I was like, no, 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 no. That's not DC. Doesn't matter. Oh, you're an asshole. Uh, <laughs> right. The best DC... E- oh, no, I'm actually... Can you just say yours, please? Right, let's count down our second. Because okay? I think second. I know what you're going to put. Right, right. Three, two, one. The Suicide, Suicide Squad. Squad. Yay! Go so... On. I was surprised. I thought you were going to put Justice League second. No, I didn't. I ke- I kept it at Suicide Squad because I'll tell you why. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll... <laughs> that means our our bottom two and our top two are the same, yeah. and the middle section is just a mixed bag of whatever. Can I just say I'm getting four Kinder eggs now? <laughs> and that's you know what's it. funny, right? That means that Justice League could have been the best movie if they hadn't edited it I do. but it's now both the best and worst movie yeah because just league is at the bottom of my list but the the better versions at the top mm-hmm. if they just not fucked around with it but here's here's like a little before we talk about suicide squad here's a little thought experiment do you think justice league is better because it it's like a movie in its own right or is it only good because it's a better version of the bad Justice League film. Right. I think... The, the... That's a good question. Because do you think if you'd watched Zack Snyder's Justice League without knowing anything else that came before, just that movie on its own, do you think it would have stood up as its own movie? Or is it only universally renowned, more or less, because people have seen a really bad version and this version just corrects a bunch of stuff. I think it's a mixture of both. Well, why say both? I think because the first attempt was very bad, and then they fix it, and it's like, oh my god, it makes sense now. But then when you do watch it, it is actually a really good film, you know? And it makes you question, why the hell did they just not stick with it, you know? Because it It's a, bizarre. I get confused, because I remember watching a comparison video of all the shots that were reshot and it's amazing how similar that how similar the scenes are but they just changed a little thing and i was like did you really need to change that it was already fine in the first draft like there's so many there's so many scenes that they've refilmed but you're like why has this been changed and the only thing i can think of is one they were trying to make wonder woman more of the main focus and two they were trying to set up ben affleck's retirement because a lot of the reshot scenes I mean, some of them are just had in pointless jokes, but a bunch of the narrative reshoots are just trying to downplay the other Justice League roles and focusing on Wonder Woman and focusing on Batman possibly retiring. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, d- I don't know. It's, it's, it's weird. But let's talk, before we talk about that movie, let's talk about a movie that apparently was not interfered by the studio at all. The Suicide Squad. Right. I, what do you think of it? You know what? I was very tempted to put it at number one because I thought it was a very, very good film. However... It's a solid movie. It's, it's you know, amazing. It is just a James Gunn film and I feel it's only amazing because the first... Again, very similar to Justice League. The first attempt was okay, you know? And then James Gunn comes along and he, he knocks it out of the park. It's a great film. However, 
it's pretty much Guardians of the Galaxy. You can see his. It's not pretty much. He's he's using the same, you know. Yeah, it's it's, it's like R-rated Guardians of the Galaxy. Literally, and so that's why I didn't put it as number one because it's very similar to his style in Guardians of the Galaxy, and it doesn't really make it. You know, it's not his DCU version. It's literally just oh, I'm just gonna copy what I did in Marvel and trying to save DC. I mean. I, th- I I I see where you're coming from. I don't think it's, it's exactly like Guardians exactly. of the Galaxy. I mean, it it is in terms of like it's a group of misfits mm-hmm. who come together to do some good. Like that is kind of his formula. In a lot of his movies, it's about underdog misfits. Try like the movie Super, for example. You know, a lot of his stuff, it's people on the bottom tier of society trying to just do something good in their life. Yeah, but. One of the things that annoys me about this movie is the fact of, like, there's so many unanswered questions about what happened between this movie and Birds of Prey and Suicide Squad. Yeah. Where's Cassandra Cain? The end of Birds of Prey, Harley Quinn and Cassandra Cain drive off together. Because Cassandra Cain, not only is she not in this movie, she's not referenced. She's not mentioned. Mm-hmm. Harley Quinn isn't like, oh, I, I, I had to stay behind to let my sidekick go off free, mm-hmm. you know? Like, which would have been, you could have had like a little throwaway line in there, which could be a callback to how Joker left her behind yeah. to get arrested. Stuff like that. It's doable, but I don't think it was done because I doubt James Gunn was giving story details about Birds of Prey. No. Maybe like a rough outline, mm-hmm. but I don't think those two teams were interacting the same way that the Marvel people do. Yeah. But there's also stuff like, okay, where is Rick Flagg's girlfriend, June Moon? Mm-hmm. You know, what happened to fucking Katana? Why didn't she have Rick Flagg's back? Exactly. <laughs> why didn't she shut the swords of her victims? Like, her, her Maybe dad. that's why, spoiler alert for people who haven't seen Suicide Squad, dun, actually. Dun, dun. <laughs> um, when Rick Flagg gets killed... <gasps> spoiler <laughs> Katana didn't have his back. What the fuck? I know. And again, she didn't trap the souls of her victims. What Wouldn't that have been... So I actually... I would have... Because we went to the cinema to see it. Uh, I'd have stood up and clapped if during the fight with Peacemaker, Katana just turns about nowhere and killed Peacemaker. I would honestly... I'd have been like, this This is cinema. I would... That. <laughs> Start clapping. Perfect film. Perfect film. We would be the only it two is the thing, right? But... <laughs> <laughs> It is the thing, right? Um, I think this movie and Zack Snyder's Justice League, actually, are both really good at translating a kind of comic miniseries formula onto the big screen. Because James Gunn's Suicide Squad, it feels like a miniseries. Mm -hmm. It it works perfectly. The, The Suicide Squad... Justice League, these two movies, Justice League more so because it even splits itself up into chapters, but because this movie has those little kind of stories, you know, uh, the team arrive on the, you know, you have the prologue where the first team gets killed. Mm-hmm. Chapter one is like them arriving on the island, you know, the team getting put together and then being sent out on the mission. You've got the chapter where they go and have like a, a few drinks and party at the nightclub. The chapter where they have to go save Harley Quinn, the chapter where they storm Jotunheim, the chapter where they fight Starro. Like, it's built up in these little sequences, mm-hmm. which make it feel like you're reading 
a comic book miniseries. It is very well done. I just love the characters as well. You know, they just... It's great. I was upset when, at the opening, you see Boomerang and everything, and they all get killed. I thought it was going to be this massive squad, you know, teaming up. The only thing I hope that the Flash movie retcons is that Captain Boomerang gets killed. I think bring him back. I I think it's such a shame. Come on. He gets. He only gets one boomerang throw in this movie, Aww. but it's a better boomerang throw. Yeah, that is true. Because the boomerang it glows in the dark, genius idea, and it cuts like three people, like it cuts their heads off. Mm-hmm. I also love that Harley calls him Boomer because she does that in the comics. That's pretty. Good. That's a nice. So approach. I I like that when he gets killed, she screams out Boomer, like she's upset by it. It, it feels like oh, these people actually give a shit. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's nice. Um, the humor is also great. I do love the. It's, it's really well done. It's, oh. And it's funny. You see a bunch of people like the the Snyder cultists being like, "Oh, I don't want to watch this this comedy for kids." And it's like you clearly haven't watched it. Mm. Like I when we went, you know, we were at the cinema to see it, and fucking. This woman brought like a nine year old boy with her to see this film, and I was like, "Why the fuck have you done that?" I didn't see Like, that. one of the first <laughs> scenes... Like, it was like a night... It was a little kid came with her. They sat, like, a couple of rows in front of us. And I was like... Why? He's going to be traumatised. Because <laughs> one of the first... Like, one of the first action sequences has fucking Blackguard get his face blown off. Yeah. You know, like, there's a lot of blood yeah. and gore in this. Just, and just... the humour is quite, like, dark. Yeah. You know, it's a dark comedy. You know what's also before that action scene? Um, a bird getting killed. Uh, I, okay. <laughs> Does that offend you? <laughs> it offends me. No, it was going back to that little kid, you know, being traumatized. Oh yeah, I That's guess I'm I just meant. so desensitized that I was like, oh, it's just the bird getting killed. <laughs> Whatever. You, you do that every morning, don't you? You wake up and you kill the birds. <laughs> I actually, I I live in a room similar to what Savant was in. I've got like little check marks. <laughs> I just throw a ball. Oh, it's fantastic. That- I think. That bird is a reference to the Birds of Prey because Savannah is a Birds of Prey villain. And I think it was Jim Lee was like, who do you think put him in there? So I think the idea is that Savannah was apprehended by the Birds of Prey. Okay. Which I'd have liked to have seen. (laughs) Same with when they're like, oh, Bloodsport shot Superman with a kryptonite bullet. Oh, fantastic. Show me that. Show me that. (laughs) I want to see the cool stuff, not just hear it get referenced. True, true. Um, there was another thing that I really liked as well, where how they kind of made out that there's been multiple suicide squads in a way, you know, in that opening, where, you know, yeah. they've just been recruiting loads. And I do like that, you know, it's not one definitive squad. It's it's the term they use to bring in bad guys to do the dirty work, you know? And I think this film, it really, it really like, draws on that. Uh, concept more than the first because you have all these characters and none of them are big heavy hitters mm-hmm. so they could all die and weirdly it's the heavy hitters who die like Rick Flagg, Captain Boomerang, the mainstays yeah. from the first film, they're the ones who get killed but your King Sharks your Blood Spots I suppose Polka Dot Man as well, he bites the dust mm-hmm. but a and lot nice. of the, 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 the smaller characters actually kind of make it to the film not all of them like I said, Team One gets eradicated, but like it's nice that when you watch—not nice, 
but it's fun when you're watching this movie and you're like, oh, fuck, any of these people could die. Mm-hmm. And the first one, you're like, oh, well, Slipknot's going to die because they want to establish the bomb's work. Yeah. And, and then one. maybe one other person will die. But it won't be Harley Quinn and it won't be Deadshot. Yeah. Even in this movie, that's like one of the... He, she's the only character where I was like, she won't die. Oh, yeah. Even though James Gunn was like... I could. I was told I could kill whoever I want. No one's safe. And then, like a couple of weeks before the film came out, he was like, "Yeah, I've talked to Margot Robbie about doing more Harley Quinn." <laughs> so it's like, oh well, she obviously doesn't die there. That's grand. But no, it was a very good film. I did enjoy it, but it's not the best DC film. And the best DC film of all time is Zack. The Dark Knight. <laughs> Don't stop. You know what? Can we actually talk about that now instead of Zack Snyder? No. It is Zack We've Snyder's. gone on way too long. We'll be here for a thousand years. Yeah, Zack Snyder's Justice League is probably... It's not probably. It, to me, it is the best DCEU movie that is out there. Woo! Thank you. Thank you. Do you want to know why it's the best? Go on. <laughs> because for me, right... DC comics, for the most part, are thematically different to Marvel. Because Marvel, you've got regular people, weird powers. They're all misfits of science. They've all been in an accident, mm-hmm. you know? Or they, they've had an accident in their life. Push them to become, a, you know, a, a hero. Like, the one character that sticks out with that theme is Thor, which is why in like Thor Ragnarok they had to really humanize him because they were like he's too grand and mythological for this universe. We need to bring him back down and make him more relatable. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas the DC universe, it's it's so ingrained in specifically Greek mythology. A lot of their heroes pull from Greek gods: Shazam, Wonder Woman, uh, Aquaman. The Flash originally had like a helmet of Mercury one of the Greek gods, or Hermes, whichever name it is. Whichever one. Um, Because one of them's Roman, one of them's Greek. But he's like the messenger god, you know? Batman has a lot of allegory for, like, Hades, king of the underworld, the criminal underworld, you know? The, The Justice League are kind of like the Greek gods, and a lot of them have direct connections to the Greek pantheon. They're mythological, they're epic, they've all got a destiny and a fate, and They've all got these powers that are blessings from their heritage. Like Superman, he's a, the last son of Krypton. Diana's a, the last remnants of the new gods, or the old gods, I mean. Mm-hmm. You know, Aquaman is the half-breed between humans and Atlanteans, which means he's even better than all the other Atlanteans because he can talk to fish and all that. Like, they all have these grand and epic powers. And this movie does a really good job of pulling all these worlds together and making you feel like one... They're real people, and two, they're living mythology. Absolutely, you've hit the nail on the cross there. Well done. <laughs> I've never heard it said like that. It's nail on the head, isn't it? It's the nail on the cross, is it not? Nail on the head. Hit the nail on the head. Because okay. nails don't have crosses. Screws have crosses. I meant like you know you've got the nail and then you hammer it on the cross. You only use nails to hang hang up crosses. Yeah, all right, I'm an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> no, please, I'm I'm sure you can convince me. Go on. 
You know what? This has got nothing to do with why Justice League, Zack Snyder's vision, is the best DC film. So we can leave it there. I'm just in <laughs> here. Here's a, here's a fun thing. I'm listening. I think, because one of the best sequences in that movie is the history lesson. Oh, it's fantastic. I love that. I was Gorgeous. I was waiting patiently for that chapter to come up. I was like, where is it? Where is it? And I was like, holy shit. Worth it's so good. That that bit where Darkseid kills the Green Lantern and oh, the wings flying off and teasing. you see him go to reach out for it. It's so good. I'm so annoyed. I'm so annoyed that we didn't get a Green Lantern in this movie, like a proper one. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were supposed to. We were supposed to get John Stewart at the end, but Warner Brothers fucked that up again. And I think the only reason why a Green Lantern wasn't introduced in this movie is because... They were like, that's like four new characters we have to introduce. And we just want to get the team up. So don't do Green Lantern. We'll do Green Lantern later. And he was going to turn up at like the start of the third Justice League movie. Mm-hmm. And I... there was going to be a, a Green Lantern movie in between the second and the third one, I think, to establish the character. Um, and then he was going to help out with like the Nightmare timeline or some shit. I can't really remember. Um, it's been a while since I've read the, the pitch. But... What's interesting is in that history lesson, I think the Martians were going to be involved. Um, I'll send you some pictures I've got here. Thank you. I'm waiting in anticipation. Right. You see those circular shapes in these murals that depict the... um... Oh, yeah. That depict the war. You see them when Wonder Woman goes down to learn about the dark side and the incoming fight. Do you see those circles in the top mm-hmm. with the crosses through them? Mm-hmm. They're on the side of the humans. Mm. And then this, I can't find where this picture's from. But this is a picture of Zack Schneider. And look what symbol is on his whiteboard. Oh, the X's. Yeah, for people listening along, there's a photo out there with Zack Schneider's face and behind him is a whiteboard with some notes from his Justice League movie. And one of the notes just says Martian Manhunter with a green circle and a red cross through it. And that same symbol appears in a bunch of the artwork for the war between mankind, Amazons, Atlanteans and Darkseid. And that symbol is above the army of Earth. And I think originally they were going to have... Because even Diana says, Guardians from the Stars. Mm. Not Guardian, Guardians. And I think... Because she says the new gods along with the Guardians from space. Implying there's multiple, so not just Green Lantern. So I think the idea was that the Martian Manhunters, the Martians, were going to be fighting in space, or like in the air, against the apocalyptic ships. And I don't know, maybe for budget reasons, they cut that out. I'm not really sure. Um, rewatching it, I tried to see if there were any other spaceships. You can't see any, but maybe they're just out of picture. You know, maybe there was another battle going on somewhere else. But I just think it's really interesting because that artwork clearly was going to have spaceships fighting alongside the Amazons, the humans, and the Atlanteans. Yeah. That's actually a really um, good detail. Did you did you you found this on your own, right? 
Yeah, I, it was just something I saw when I was looking at um, the Muriel pictures. I can't remember where I found this photo, where I saw it, but everyone was like, oh my God, Marshall Manhunter was going to be in this film. And I was like, well, from the looks of things, he was going to fight in the uh, in the battle as well. Like mm-hmm. He was going to fight in the war, but you never see that in the film, and I've not seen anyone else talk about it online. So you're the first one to talk about it. How does it feel to be the first? I mean, I don't know if I'm the first, maybe I've just missed it. I've not listened to every podcast out there on the planet. <laughs> but it's it's one of those things that's interesting because I've not... Because actually, I like to talk about his movie mm-hmm. in the interim before it was released. He talked about, oh, Darkseid was going to be in it. Martian Manhunter was going to be in it. But he hasn't talked about, oh, yeah, the Martians were going to fight in the history lesson. Because mm-hmm. they're not there. I, when I rewatched it, I couldn't see them. But maybe the Martians and the other old gods that you don't see because there's a bunch of gods there that you that just aren't in the film like neptune or whatever mm-hmm. or poseidon again whatever name it is maybe they're off in space they're in fighting space. the maybe there's a different battlefield yeah. where they're taking on steppenwolf or whatever you know um that's a, that's a cool small detail that you found I'm, i just I'm thought in, it was impressed. interesting i'm impressed <laughs> i did I was just going to say how awesome the film was, but you actually probably did research into this little small detail. <laughs> I, I just, I like to choose to believe that this movie is set pre-Crisis and in Infinite Earths, and then Crisis and in Infinite Earths happens, and then the theatrical cut of Justice League happens, because that way it can all be canon. It all works out. I remember your big rant about that, which I really enjoyed, by the way. You know, kind of... <laughs> Uh, should have recorded it, turned it into content. No, we really shouldn't have. That was that was a painful call. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Um, but no, I do agree. Zack Snyder's Justice League is just 10 out of 10. I love the 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 plot with Cyborg, how he gets more uh, scenes and more about how he comes to term with being a robot and everything. I love that. I thought that was great. And no was... wonder he's so pissed off at Warner Brothers oh, because he has so many fantastic oh, scenes so in this film and they cut them all out. Again, why? We will never know. Well, we do know. But... Shocking. Horrendous. <laughs> but, but no, this the, I think this movie, it's its probably their best. And it's, it's going to be curious to see if we'll ever get another film kind of like this in terms of like... We don't know if Henry Cavill's Superman. Mm-hmm. Ben Affleck's coming back, but we don't know if he's going to stay. Um, Aquaman, Wonder Woman, they're all getting sequels. Shazam's getting sequels. So who knows? Maybe the next Justice League is going to have Michael Keaton, Batman. Oh, my God. Supergirl instead of Superman because she's going to be in the Flash movie. Like, it's it's weird. It's It's frustrating being a DC fan because you get... I think most of the films in this list are enjoyable. Most of them, yes. I'll agree with you there. Personally, there's not a film on here that I wouldn't go back to watch. Maybe the theatrical cut, Justice League, I find that kind of tough. But, like... Wonder Woman 2? I'd go back to... Because I find it funny, you know? Mm. I find a lot of the bad stuff in that kind of funny to watch. You know, A lot of these movies I would go back and see. Whether because I think their flaws are funny or because I just enjoy them as a good film... I'd rewatch most of these, but for a lot of the new ones post Justice League, there's these lingering questions about, you know, where is Superman? Mm-hmm. Where is Batman? 
where's the Joker? You know? Do these characters still know each other? Is there going to be another team up? Where is this all going? You know? And it's I, I, I'm kind of curious to see if there is a plan. If they have come up with something. Or if they're just going to keep throwing shit at a wall and see what sticks. Well, we might see that all appear in the DC fandom event. I'm very curious to see what gets announced. I'm hoping that they announce Henry Cavill returning as oh, Superman. Oh, they have to. If they don't, I'll be, I'll, be, I'll be lost for words. I think that's when Marvel will pick him up. If they, don't, if they announce that he's no longer Superman, that's when Marvel are just going to pick him up. A hundred percent. I because yeah. I mean I'm I wouldn't be surprised if in five years Zack Snyder will direct a Marvel movie. Oh yeah, that would be funny. And then I th- and I think they'll give him because if he directs a Marvel movie, all of his cultists are gonna go fucking off it. And I think the perfect movie for Zack Snyder is a Captain Britain movie starring Henry Cavill, and you make him like the descendant from Arthur. And he can do his King Arthur legend that he's been wanting to do. Well, we can only sit and pray and wait for this glorious thing to happen. <laughs> so, recap. Do. What's your list? So, my list. So, number 11 was Joss Whedon's Justice League. After that, Wonder Woman 2. I've written World War 2. I don't like, you know, WW2. Uh, Wonder Woman 2. <laughs> um, Brilliant. Of- Thanks for telling me. <laughs> You're welcome. So Justice League, Wonder Woman 2, Birds of Prey, then Wonder Woman, Suicide Squad, Man of Steel, Batman vs. Superman, uh, Aquaman, Shazam, and... Oh, yes, the the Suicide Squad. and Final I hate Man. that they called it that. I know, it's really annoying to say. And, you know, who, who, who'd have thought that adding the word the would be so annoying? Um, they should have just called it Suicide Squad, Mission Jotunheim. That would have been good. And then finally, Jack... Jack Snyder? No, Zack Snyder's Justice League. Woo! (laughs) Our lists are more different than I thought they'd be. Yeah. Do you remember yours? Yeah, my list, my definitive list, correct list, is Justice League, Wonder Woman, 1984, uh, Suicide Squad, Birds of Prey, you know what? Actually, now I'm going to leave it. Shazam, no, Wonder Woman, are. Aquaman, Man of Steel, BVS, The Suicide Squad, and Zack Snyder's Justice League. Well, you know what? I'm happy that I'm getting four Kinder Eggs. You know? Cause we I know. I. It's funny. The fact that we've got the same top two and the same bottom two. Like, I know it's just the two of us, but I'm going to choose to believe that that is the definitive answer, that those are the actual worst two and best two DC... EU movies. Yeah, case closed. You don't need to worry about the stuff in between, but the last two and the top two, all that matters. <laughs> I wonder if we'll ever get a Legion of Doom. You know what? We'll talk about that when it appears in social media. I believe that's how it works. You know, this is all new to me. I hope that's how it works. Because you, you've got Black Manor, you've got Black Adam, you've got Cheetah, Deathstroke, Lex Luthor. Maybe Reverse Flash in the Flash movie. They've got all the guys. Just put them together. <sighs> well, we've just got to wait and see. We're going to wait and find out. I hate your movie. attitude of that. Um, why? Of just... It's because like, I was like, do you think we'll ever get this? You're like, we'll just have to wait and see. It's like, no, Seb. No, I, what, what's your opinion? Tell me. 
I prefer Marvel. Sorry. Uh, sorry. <laughs> uh, but no, I mean, I would love to see it. I would love, well, I don't know if I'd love to see The Rock as Black Adam. Well, we're going to get it anyway. But uh, we'll see what he... How no, we... I, I want to see The Rock as Black Adam. I don't want to see The Rock as The Rock in Black Adam. Well, I think that's what we... Do you know are, what I mean? I know what you mean. And I think that is what we're going to get. Because it's The Rock. He's going to play himself. Um, it's just, it's, it would be such a shame if that's all he does. Because Black Adam's such an interesting character. Yeah, and it is going to be very weird to see him, the, the Rock, fight Zachary Levi whenever that <laughs> finally comes. That's going to be the weirdest fight where you know... The ultimate match in history. Black Adam versus a 15-year-old boy. <laughs> Dodgy, it's, I know. You've got to bring in Superman for that. That's the thing. Like That's the only way you make that fair is if you have Superman and Shazam take him on. We, well, let's hope so. I really and the fact that Shazam knows Superman now, it would make no sense for him not to ask Superman yeah, for help. We can't we can't ignore the fact that he invited Superman for lunch at school, and then not bring him along to fight Black Adam. That would just be very stupid. It would. I. You know what's funny, right? That scene with Superman is probably the most Superman scene in any movie, and you don't see his face. How sad is that? Anyway, we're just going to keep going around in circles with this DC stuff. But no, it's, I think I think we've made two definitive lists. Maybe one day we'll like merge them together. We probably will. We should keep this updated every time there's a new DC movie. Go through them all again, say everything we love and dislike about the film. Where, where do you think Peacemaker TV show is going to go on your list? Oh. 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 Is James Gunn taking the lead on that? He's directed the whole thing. Oh, is he there? Okay. Um, is it before or after just uh, the Suicide Squad? It's after. It's after. Um, I think it's going to go like at least top five, I think. I'm predicting it's going to be top five somewhere like that. Because I did like it. I'm not quite... I'm not really that excited for it, to be honest. Are I you not? Know. It's not really a, a story or character I'm really interested in. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. We'll have to see. We'll have to see. Uh, I'm, do, I'm, I'm doing you now, aren't I? You're doing me? Yeah. See, it's, it's the best answer. We have to <laughs> see. Right. Well, I think this has been a very successful first episode, Thomas. What do you think? I mean, we'll have to wait and see, won't we? We'll have to wait and see. Well, <laughs> thank you all for listening. Watches get cancelled. Watches get cancelled after this one, as we've said. (laughs) You know, that DC have buggered up their universe. Um, Oh, well. We'll catch you guys in the next one. Hope you enjoyed. Uh, Next week, we're going to talk about DC TV shows. I'm still trying to get through Titans. Not all of them. Not all of them. Not all of them. There's too many. We're going to talk about some like the, the good ones, the big ones, the popular ones. Maybe the Arrowverse. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see how much I watch. <laughs> right. Clockwork Orange style. Just sit you in front of a screen and make you watch 20 hours of it. I mean, I did last night. Uh, so, <laughs> right. Excellent. Goodbye. <laughs>